What's up? Jason Tatum here. Ball up wherever you are with NBA 2K Mobile. Playing game events to collect NBA legends and rising stars to assemble your dream team and settle things on the court. Download NBA 2K Mobile now on the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Pick Aside Podcast. My name is Joel Moran and I'm here with Jack Bartek and this is now episode 54. In this episode, we're going to give our playoff scenarios, the NFC and AFC, and that includes who will get the wild card spots in each conference, the first round by, and who will ultimately win the NFC East. Then we're going to talk about J.J. Watt's emotional press conference, how far Tannehill and Henry can take the Tennessee Titans, and our thoughts on Tua getting benched, Haskins getting cut, and on Herbert breaking the rookie touchdown record. Then we're going to finish off the episode with NFL Pick'em Week 17 and our power rankings for Week 17 as well. So thank you guys for tuning in. We have nine people watching right now live on YouTube. And I, I can't wait to talk about this episode right now. I mean, a lot of crazy stuff, especially in the playoff scenarios. In the AFC, we're not sure who's going to get the wild card, wild card spot. And the NFC, NFC, there's only three teams that are really fighting for it. The Rams, the Cardinals, and the Bears. So these are scenarios in the NFC. The Packers, the Seahawks, and the Saints, they all clinched their division, which means they're in the playoffs. It's a lock. Tampa clinched a playoff berth, so they're in the playoffs no matter what. These are the first-round bye scenarios. The Packers will clinch a first-round bye if they win or a Seattle loss. So if they win, they're in. They control their own destiny. The Saints can clinch it with a win plus a Green Bay loss and a Seattle win. And the um the Seahawks clinch it with a win and they need Green Bay and the Saints to lose. So Seattle has the tiebreaker over Green Bay? Seattle, um, I think so. Cause, oh wow. Yeah, they probably do. But they need both the Saints yeah. and Green Bay to lose. Yeah, because they're twelve and four right now. The Saints are twelve and four, and the Packers are at thirteen and three. So yeah, I mean, that the, makes sense. The, the the three games that these guys are going to play in, the Packers are going to face the Bears. The I'm S- sorry, I that's the records that I have them projected to be at. I'm reading okay. right now. So the Packers are going to face the Bears week seventeen. The Bears are trying to fight to be in the playoffs as well. So. There's probably not going to be a lot of starters resting because Green Bay wants that bye and the Bears want to get into the playoffs. The Saints and Panthers, which I think that should be an easy win for the Saints if they play their starters, and the Seahawks versus the 49ers, which is kind of a toss-up. Yeah, and and the tough thing about having any of these discussions is we don't know who's going to be playing, who's not going to be playing. I think the only team we're pretty positive on who's not playing is the Rams with Jared Goff and now Cooper Cup is on the COVID list, so mm-hmm. his status is up in the air. But all of these other teams, I'm going to assume that their starters are playing. I know the Steelers have also said they're starting Mason Rudolph, so we'll keep that in mind. But for teams that we don't know about, I'm just going to assume that their starters are playing. Yeah, and what I think is weird about this season especially is that there isn't really much of an incentive for teams to want to play Week 17 if, one, they're not getting a first-round bye or if they have to do too much to get a bye. Because I think because there's no fans, there's really no home field advantage per se. So it, it kind of lowers the incentive to get a higher seed yeah. and move up. Like the Seahawks in any normal year, the one seed would be 
incredibly significant to them because yep. that's the Seahawks are the twelfth man. You know, that's mm-hmm. the the example. Even Green Bay about. and the Saints, like Saints, the Superdome was one of the toughest places yeah. to play. But you know, I, I think that it would probably be most important most important for the Packers just because that weather up there in Green Bay. You saw it this past Sunday. You know, anybody going into that atmosphere at Lambeau and whatever weather may be happening there. That's stuff that not a lot of teams have to deal with. So I feel like that could be an advantage to them more than even fans might be. So I just searched it up. It's actually the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. That's where the Saints play. The Superdome, I Formerly think, is the it, Superdome. The Superdome, I think, is the is the Falcons. If I'm not mistaken, really? Yeah, I think I'm gonna check it right now just because I'm curious. Well, the dome. I think everybody everybody knew what you were talking about. Falcon Stadium. The Falcon Stadium is the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. <laughs> And the okay, the Saints one is Mercedes Benz Superdome. Uh, so okay, it is Mercedes Benz taking over yeah. the NFL. Oh man, that was really tricky. Yeah. So those are the first round buy scenarios, and now these are the wild card scenarios. The Cardinals make it into the playoffs if they win. They're win. They win and they're in because the Rams and them are both fighting for that wild card spot as well. So if they beat the Rams, they'll be fine. Um, the Bears, they clinch with a the win. They're win. They win and they're in. They can also clinch if Arizona loses. And the Rams clinch with a win or a tie or a Chicago loss. So from what I could take away from this is that all teams win and they're in. But the Bears own the tiebreaker over the Cardinals. So if the Bears and Cardinals both lose, they finish with the same record, the, the Bears, Bears are in the playoffs. Wow. Yeah, so it's, I mean, all year long, the Bears have been kind of in a funk for the second half of the season mostly. The Cardinals have been struggling, but I thought the Cardinals were most certainly going to be a lock. But yeah, it, that can all change. Yeah, and the Bears have actually looked pretty decent the past couple of weeks. Mitch Trubisky is starting to look like an NFL caliber quarterback again. I will say one thing that I am very grateful for is that they added another wild card spot mm-hmm. because there's still going to be probably two teams sitting at home after this weekend that deserve a playoff spotter. Maybe not deserve it, but could easily be a playoff team, mm-hmm. one in the AFC, one in the NFC. And so if we would have had to miss two of these teams, like per se – you also had the Rams miss the playoffs, and in, in the AFC, you had the Colts or the Dolphins also miss the playoffs. You know, it would have been a shame, so I'm glad they added that extra spot, and it's adding a little extra, you know, a little extra theater for this weekend. Yeah, I mean, the games that they're going to play, of course, we talked about the Bears and the Packers. They're going to play against each other. A lot of stuff is, is really, yeah. a lot of stuff is on that game. There's a lot of incentive to watch that game because a lot of is on the line. And then the Rams and Cardinals, Week 17, Jared Goff is probably not going to play. You mentioned Cooper Cup. I think they just activated Blake Bortles from like a practice squad. Yeah, from the Broncos practice squad. And I think if they have Blake Bortles, Bortles, look, I know that he hasn't been a good NFL quarterback, but he he can have a good game. Like he can have a great game and and lead them to victory. I feel better about him than uh, I I actually forget his name. Yeah, I think his last name is like Wolford. Yeah. Wolford, he's like he played in the AAF. So, so, yeah, you feel way better about a guy who started in playoff games, made the AFC Championship, and a guy who's coming from the AAF. Like, Bortles is not a good quarterback, but he can have a great game. Yeah, and yeah exactly. You saw what he did in Jacksonville, although it was a flash in the pan, it seems like. You know he has that potential to come out and have a great game rather than, you know, you're just rolling the dice with Wolford. Yeah, so those are the scenarios for the wild card. So, basically, all teams win and they're in. 
mostly because the Cardinals and the Rams play each other. So they win in their end. But the other thing about this is that if the Rams lose and the Bears lose, then the Rams own that tiebreaker. So the Rams can lose. As long as the Bears lose, they'll yeah. be in the playoffs. And then we can see a scenario where the Cardinals and the Rams are both in the playoffs. Then the last scenario for the NFC, the NFC East, the division is still up for grabs. Washington clinches with a win or a Dallas loss. The New York Giants clinch with a win plus a Washington loss, and the Cowboys clinch with a win plus a Washington loss as well. So essentially, Washington is going to play, well, Washington has the Sunday night game, the Giants and the Cowboys play at 430, I believe, 425, whatever it may be, at mm-hmm. MetLife Stadium. Whoever wins that game is going to be watching that Washington football team game because if Washington loses, whoever wins that Giants-Cowboys game is in. But if yeah. Washington wins, they're in. And the Giants own the tiebreaker over Washington. So yeah. it's, if, it, it's reminiscent of that, uh, was it the Bills who needed the Bengals to beat the Steelers to get into the playoffs, I think, last year or two years ago. I it think might it might have been, have been two, last, two years ago or last year when and, Andy Dalton Oh, yeah, yeah. I think that, that might have been two years ago. I think that was either last year or the year where Tyrod Taylor was yeah, quarterback yeah, yeah. for the Bills. And, and I just remember that video of the Bills going crazy in the locker room watching the, the Bengals get that upset victory. And then the Bengals played the Bills that year, and they had like a, a ceremony for Andy Dalton. The yeah. Next season. I mean, it's going to be a really tight race amongst all of these teams. I think the AFC is a bit crazier just because yeah. of that wild card. But, I mean, the Eagles are going to face Washington. And if Washington doesn't have a quarterback, that's going to be a tough game to win. And the Giants face the Eagles. The, um, the Giants face the Cowboys. My fault. Dallas doesn't own the tiebreaker over Washington. Only the Giants do. So, if Dallas loses, then Washington is in, even if yeah. they lose the game. So, okay. Oh, wait, no. I think, because this says they clinch with a win or a Dallas loss. But I think the Giants own the tiebreaker, so I don't know. It, it's going to be a crazy It's Sunday. really weird. And, it's really and, weird. And the cool thing is, it's no Monday night football. It's no Thursday night football. So this is all going to be taking place on Sunday. It's going to be a lot to take in, but everything is going to happen Sunday night, we'll know yep. who's in, who's not in, what the seating is. So it's going to be a great day. So these are the scenarios for the NFC playoff race, the wild card, and the NFC East title. So now we're just going to give our prediction for who's going to win the wild card. We already know the first round buys, and honestly, if the team already is in the playoffs, we don't really care. Right. Yeah. I mean, when they're in the playoffs, they lock their spot. We're talking about the teams that aren't in the playoffs. So, in your opinion, the NFC, who is going to take that wild card spot? The Bears, the Rams, or the Cardinals? Well, which two of those three teams are going to take it? I'll say I got a lot of help on this one from ESPN. Has a great playoff machine mm-hmm. that I, I've been using for years, and it helped me out with this because I was going back and forth between matchups. So, if anybody wants to do this on their own, search up the ESPN playoff machine. It was a lot of fun playing around with different win and loss situations. But my wild card teams in the NFC, based on my predictions this weekend, I have the Buccaneers at five, I have the Cardinals at six, and I have the Rams at seven. So you have the Bears missing the playoffs. I do have the Bears missing the playoffs. I just think going up against Green Bay this weekend, the way the Green Bay has been playing, it's going to be too much, too touch, too tough of a matchup. And I just can't see them winning that one. So I think that'll be their downfall. Is a Green Bay game at what time is it? 
Um, I have the schedule up. Because if it's a if it's a later game, then I see a scenario where Green Bay doesn't play their starters it's a, it's because a the Saints might have lost or the Seahawks might have lost, and they're gonna, they're going to clinch that first round by. Because they so, just need they just need a Seattle loss to clinch the first round by. Yeah. That's all they need. So this week, that game is four twenty five. The Bears and the Packers. Yeah. What about the Seahawks game? Uh, the Seahawks are also t- 425. Okay, though, so. so both of them kind of have to play their starters. Look, I it, this is tough for me because I'm kind of buying into the into the dream scenario or, or the fantasy that Mr. Trubisky is going to lead this team to the playoffs, and now the uh, and now the Bears front office is like forced into a dilemma of whether to re-sign him or not. Because I think there was a report yeah. that came out that if he makes the playoffs. They're, they might re-sign him, you know? And, I mean, all they need to do to make the playoffs is they need Arizona to lose. Rams versus Arizona, it's a tough game. <sighs> Look, this is my opinion. I would love for the Rams and Cardinals to both make the playoffs. Yeah, same here. But I think the Rams will beat the Cardinals. Really? Yeah, based on how their defense is playing, Kyler Murray's kind of hurt, he's hobbled. Jalen Ramsey versus DeAndre Hopkins. I feel like Ramsey will get the better of him in that matchup. And I just think their defense will come to show up. And look, call me crazy, but with Blake Bortles, Sean McVay, as creative as he is on offense, to make it easier on Blake Bortles, I think he doesn't have to do too much. And even as recently, Jared Goff has been playing really bad. And the thumb might have been affecting him these past few weeks, even though I've been seeing this inconsistent play from him for a while. But maybe Blake Bortles gives them another boost because that defense for the past few weeks has been looking at the offense and Jared Goff and been thinking, damn, like you cannot bail us out for nothing. So maybe Bortles brings a little life to them. I have the Bears making the playoffs with the Rams, and I think the Cardinals miss it. So uh, let me explain my reasoning. I I am concerned about the Cardinals because I heard Cliff Kingsbury last night on SportsCenter. They were playing his interview, and he said that Kyler Murray – if he felt healthy enough, even if it meant he had to switch up his play style a little bit, he would be out there. But in my opinion, that's not a good thing because Kyler Murray, you know, a lot of people, he's improved a lot this year as a player in general and as a passer. But he still, to me, is one of those guys that his legs open up so much for him in the passing game. And if he was just a pocket passer, he wouldn't be nearly as good of a player. I think that's pretty obvious. And so if you're going to put him just sit in the pocket all game. I especially against that Rams defense, it's concerning. But on the other side, the Rams have to bring in Blake Bortles. You don't know what type of playing shape he's been in. When was the last time he started a game uh, with the Jaguars? So you don't know what type of shape he's in. You got to teach him essentially. Well, maybe not teach him an offense, but you got to figure out an offense that works in four or five days. So. I'm personally going with the Cardinals just because I don't trust that offense to figure it out so quickly with whoever they throw out there at quarterback. If both teams were at full strength, I think it would have been a much more interesting matchup, and I might have went with the Rams, but I'm just concerned about that Rams offense and what they're going to be able to conjure up in a week. So yeah. that that was my thinking. Daryl Henderson is also on IR, so Cam Akers is probably going to start along with Malcolm Brown, he's probably going to get a bulk of the carries as well. The thing for me is that I just I have a gut feeling that the Bears will make the playoffs. That's just my gut feeling. I feel like that's going to happen, 
and I think the only way it happens now is if the Cardinals lose. Because I don't see the Bears beating Green Bay, especially if Green Bay is playing their starters. Green Bay always has the best of everybody in that division, whether it be the Vikings, whether it's Detroit. They always have the better of the opposing teams. And quite frankly, Green Bay is the number one team in the NFL in the NFC right now, and they're playing lights out. The one question mark we had about Green Bay all season and last season is can they stop the run? And against Derrick Henry and the Titans, they did that. Yeah, and, they, they and, really neutralized them. And it's not like the Bears have this crazy rushing attack. I mean, I I, I don't think that Trubisky has to win that game. Exactly, he it's going to come down. It's going to come down to what Trubisky does, and I personally don't trust him yet in a winning your in situation to put the team on his back like that. Can he do it with the way he's played the last two weeks? Lord only knows. I mean, he's looked really good, surprisingly, out of nowhere. But last week it was against the Jaguars, so I'm kind of taking it with a grain of salt here. I'm going to firmly stand by the Packers win, the Cardinals win, and it'll be Rams 7, Cardinals 6, Bucks 5. And then I have, well, we'll talk next about the rest of my decision. The NFC East? Yeah. Okay, so now we're going to move on to the NFC East division. It's still up for grabs. It's between Dallas, Washington, and the Giants. And before we get started, I'm surprised the Cowboys are even in this. They were three and nine three weeks ago. They they're on the three game win streak. They're six and nine right now. We were talking about Mike McCarthy getting only lasting a year with Dallas yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Now we're talking about how are they going to look with Dak and with all the other pieces they have, including the draft. There's a chance they can make the playoffs. I was surprised they beat the Eagles how they did. Because Jalen Hurts looked like he was about to light up that defense early on. Then he really played, you know, pretty pretty bad towards the end. So, okay, the three scenarios we mentioned it. Washington just needs to win. If they win, they're in. The Giants have to win, and the Cowboys also have to win. Plus, they need a Washington loss. So, in your opinion, who is going to win the NFC East? The Washington football team, the Cowboys, or the Giants? Well, the two things I want to say first, I want to give credit to Mike McCarthy because we were very hard on him the last time we spoke about him, and I think that was deservedly so with everything that was happening, but they have really turned the corner. That offense is looking really good, all things considered, missing your quarterback who was having such a great season, but they've really impressed me over the past couple weeks, putting up a fight when it seemed like they were dead and buried, and although I don't have them making it, I do want to give them credit for a a nice job turning around their season, and I think that gives them good momentum going into next year, which I I think that's going to be very good for them going into next season looking ahead. I'm going to say I'm making these decisions based on Alex Smith starting because if Alex Smith doesn't start, everything becomes a little bit more blurry, but I have the Washington football team beating the Eagles, so I, I think that that's going to be what secures their spot. I do have the Giants beating the Cowboys, so even if the Washington football team were to lose, I think the Giants would take that spot. But if Alex Smith is on the field on Sunday, I think the Washington football team brings home this division. Because I'm not sure if Alex Smith is going to play or not, I'm just going by the scenario that he's not playing. I don't think he's going to play. I could be wrong, but I just don't think he's going to play. Dwayne Haskins isn't there anymore. (laughs) And that that other quarterback, I forgot his name, Taylor, Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke. I, I don't. I don't it. believe in him at all because even though the Eagles have been bad this season, it's more so Doug Peterson's play calling 
and how he manages the offense than it is their defense. Their defense is okay. And against a horrible Washington offense, if they have Taylor Heineke out there, they won't be able to do nothing all game. Nothing all game. Yeah. And that's really been the storyline. They did nothing all game against the Panthers. It was really ugly to watch. Because of that, I think the Dallas Cowboys make the playoffs. Wow. I think they beat the Giants, especially if the Giants start Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is a turnover machine. Dallas defense has been playing a little bit better recently. And I just think the Cowboys are going to make it. It's my gut feeling. It would it would be a great storyline if the Cowboys were to make it because they're America's team mostly. But I think they're one of those teams that are getting hot right now. We saw the Giants. They went on a little stretch where, oh, people have to watch out for the Giants. Then Daniel Jones came back. He played bad. Colt McCoy started the next week. He played bad. Daniel Jones has played bad again. So now they're on a cold streak. You look at Washington. Alex Smith had that team rolling. Then they lost them, and now they're going downhill. And because of the continuity of those teams, I feel like Dallas has the most consistency and continuity of those two teams, and that's why I think Dallas can make it. I think Andy Dalton's finally finding his footing inside the offense. And when you have that type of offensive firepower, I know that the Giants' defense has been good, but I, I don't think – I think they've more been good based off matchups and, you know, some game planning. I think Dallas can beat them. I like the, the point that you made about continuity because Dallas really does look best in that area. But let me ask you, if Alex Smith is starting, would that change your mind? Yes. If, if Alex Smith is starting, I have – I think that game would be closer because I, I thought that Washington, if they won last week, they would have been in. You know, so I thought Washington – the Panthers were a gimme game. And because Alex Smith didn't play, that might have cost them the playoffs. This game is uh this game is a little bit rougher. You know, I think the Eagles and, and Giants, I mean the Eagles and Washington is always a toss up. Washington beat them in week one, so there's an incentive for the Eagles to win this game. But also I want to say this. Regardless of any of these teams, if they miss the playoffs, I think that can be the best case scenario for them. Because they aren't very good teams and they need a higher pick in the draft. And then making the playoffs is going to really put them way behind in the draft order. Because Washington needs a quarterback. The Giants need a quarterback. And Dallas needs some offensive lineman help or defensive help. So, I don't know. You know, I, I think it is a good story if any of these teams make the playoffs. But the best thing for them is not to make it. Yeah, and the craziest thing I read the other day was I'm pretty sure it was the Cowboys depending on what happens on Sunday, could either be picking as high as three or in the playoffs. So it's it's really a big difference between yep. you know the range of what could end up happening to them. But I agree. I think that personally, I think that Washington would benefit most from a playoff appearance, whereas the Giants and the Cowboys would benefit the most from getting those higher picks just because I think Washington can go out and sign a quarterback this offseason. And I think they're ready to compete next year. Yep. But I think the Giants and the Cowboys – Depending on what the Cowboys do this offseason, if they bring back Dak, you know, whatever decisions they make, they decide to make there money-wise with what Dak wants, I don't know if they're going to be able to make that work. So if both of them have to fill out that quarterback hole this offseason, I think it will be best for them to fall mm-hmm. back in the, in the draft. Yeah, like the Giants in Washington, they need a quarterback. Yeah. They need a quarterback. Dallas, 
they don't need a quarterback, but it would be best if they get one because you're not going to be paying him anything if you get him in the draft. Exactly. And if you're picking up as high as three, you could potentially land into a Justin Fields or a Zach Wilson or a Trey Lance. Or even if you're picking later in the draft, you could probably land into like a Mac Jones. So, you know, it's really going to be it's really going to be a tough one because I think all three of these teams need quarterbacks. Although Dallas, Dak, Dak Prescott is the only one that, you know, you don't really need one, but because of the money you're going to be paying him, yeah. you kind of want to draft one. And I think that the Giants and Cowboys both have a few more holes to fill out than the than the Washington football team does. I think the Washington football team can get a quarterback and next year really be maybe not a Super Bowl contender, but can turn some heads next season. I I think their offensive line can use a little bit of help. That defense, I think, has been awesome this season. So yeah. if they can get it, say they sign Dak Prescott next offseason or... You know, they, they go out and get Derek Carr, which we've talked about a couple of times. Just an established quarterback they bring in there, I think they're in, in very good shape. Whereas the Giants and Cowboys, I think they need a few they need a few more years. They have a few more holes to fill out. And the Giants have some cap space, so I think they're trending in the right direction. But I think the Giants, especially out of these three teams, need to find a, a quarterback because I don't think Daniel Jones is the guy. I honestly think that, Washington, I think Washington is farther than the Giants. I think the Giants are just a quarterback away. Really? Yeah, because you're getting Saquon. You, they don't have a number one, but they have a bunch of number twos. You know, so they're getting Saquon back. Their defense has shown that they're really good. They re-signed Logan Ryan. Their defensive front is really good in terms of stopping the run, and Leonard Williams has been getting after the passer this season. Washington is more of a question mark. They're a quarterback away, plus another receiver to take pressure off of McLaurin plus some offensive line. Yeah, I think they're Washington is a quarterback and receiver away from being like, you know, a team that's that's has a winning record and getting into the playoffs versus a losing one this year and getting in. I think the Giants are a quarterback away and I think the Cowboys are a defense away. That's I think it. I think the problem with the Giants is we were talking about this before with Dwayne Haskins and that situation. Um you said somebody tweeted they'd rather draft Jamarcus Russell than Jay Cutler which is, I feel like, what the Giants are in right now. They have a guy who they might think is the future but might not be in Daniel Jones, and yeah. that might lead them to hang on to him for a little and, bit longer. And that comparison came from people are saying right now, because Dwayne hasn't got cut, oh, he, uh, that's why Daniel Jones was the right pick. It was the right pick over Dwayne Haskins, and I even said it. But then again, Washington now knows for sure it's stamped that they got to get a quarterback. Yeah. Giants are kind of on the fence whereas if you would if you know who your quarterback is, if he's a bust, then you go out and get a quarterback. But because Daniel Jones is Daniel Jones, you're not sure. Same thing's happening with the Broncos right now with Drew Locke. Drew Locke, the you know, Jets but, with Sam Darnold. Mm-hmm, like potential is such a tricky word and if you know your quarterback is not good, it's easier to move off from him versus if you know he's shown flashes yep. versus if he hasn't. It's kind of a little bit more trickier and the more you're in that funk the more your team's going to be mediocre. I, I, it's going to be very interesting because I don't. We've never seen a division like this where three teams, as bad as the division has been all season long, there are three teams that have been competitive enough to be in the hunt week seventeen for the division spot, but also could land in the top five in the draft. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's a very weird situation. So now we're going to talk about the AFC playoff scenarios. So this shouldn't be too long because the Chiefs clinched the number one seed. The Steelers and the Bills clinched their division. 
and the Ravens. Now we're going to get into the wild card spots. Um, the Ravens clinch with a win or a Cleveland and Indianapolis loss. So the Browns clinch with a win or an Indianapolis loss or a Tennessee loss, a Miami win, and a Baltimore win. The Colts clinch the AFC South with a win and a Tennessee loss. The Colts also, they just clinch a playoff spot if they win and they need Baltimore to lose or Cleveland to lose or Indianapolis to lose. Um, No, or I said that wrong. The Colts clinch with a win in Baltimore loss or with a win in Cleveland loss and a win in Miami loss. The Dolphins clinch with a win or Baltimore loss or Cleveland loss or Indianapolis loss. And the Titans clinch the division with a win or an Indianapolis loss, and they clinch a playoff berth with a Baltimore or Miami loss. So it seems like if the Titans win, they're in, and they clinch their division. The Ravens, Browns, and Dolphins all control their own destiny. If they win, they're in. The only team that needs another team to lose is the Colts. The Colts need to win, and they need Baltimore to lose, or the Cleveland to lose, or Miami to lose. So they need teams to lose. There's scenarios there, and I've I've seen like this stat that if they win and they don't make the playoffs, they're the first 11 and five team to miss the playoffs in NFL history. Wow. Yeah, they'll be 11 and five and miss the playoffs. And these are these are the percentages right now. The odds to make the playoffs: the Titans are at 92 percent, the Ravens are at 88 percent, the Browns are at 76 percent, the Dolphins are at 73 percent, and the Colts are at 71 percent. So I'm thinking it's between the Browns, Dolphins, and Colts, yeah. whether who's going to get into that final playoff spot. So in your opinion, who's going to win the wild card and who's going to make it out of those teams? Well, let me ask you before we start. I don't know if you've heard anything about this. I couldn't find anything. Do you think the Bills are going to play their starters Week 17? Because the Chiefs have the one seed locked up, and I think the Bills have the two seed locked up, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think they do. But I- I've also heard that, the but the Steelers are sitting. The Steelers ben are sitting. The Steelers are sitting some of their starters. Um, we're not sure about the Bills. We know the Colts are going to beat the Jaguars, yeah. and we know the Titans should beat the Texans. And, and we don't know the status of Deshaun Watson either in that game. I know he got hurt late mm-hmm. in Week 16, and although he said he's going to play, it would be very wise for the organization to give him a rest this week. And the Ravens are facing the Bengals, so they'll win. So that's the only one that's up in the air because. The Browns versus Steelers. The Steelers are sitting there. Some of their starters, the Browns, probably going to win that game. They should. You know, they should win that game. The Dolphins versus Bills. You know, maybe they only sit Josh Allen. I think if that defense is out there, they can still beat Miami. Yeah. You know, it's tough. I I wish I knew what the Bills were going to do. It would make it a much easier decision, in my opinion. If they were sitting a a decent amount of their starters, I would have the Dolphins winning. But if if they play their entire team, and they go out there and they treat it like a, a Week 7 game, I have the Bills winning that game. As much as it pains me to say it, because I've been super high on the Dolphins, the Bills have just looked so good the past few weeks. Like, literally up there with the Chiefs, I, I have them the, the biggest competition, at least in the AFC, mm. to, to the Kansas City Chiefs. So I would have the Bills winning that game if they played their starters. And as a result, I would have the Titans winning the division, and then I would have Baltimore at the five seed, Cleveland at the six, and Indianapolis at the seven. You know, um, this is tough. I picked the Colts to win a division uh, in the beginning of the year. 
I think if they didn't blow the lead against the Steelers, they probably should be there. And you mentioned that point about the Bills. I think that's an excellent point. The Bills right now, the only three losses they've had are two of them have gotten rescheduled, the Titans and the Chiefs game, and one of them was on that Hail Mary against the Cardinals. Yeah. So most of their games that they've played, it weren't they weren't bad losses. You know, they're one of the better teams in the league, so if they do play their starters, they'll beat the Dolphins. I don't think that's a question. I'm going to pick the Colts to make the playoffs, and the team that's going to miss it is the Dolphins. And the Dolphins are going to miss the playoffs, and now going into the offseason, it's going to get a lot more foggy whether <laughs> they should draft the quarterback or no. Because, look, you benched Fitzpatrick because you thought Tua gave you the best chance to make the playoffs. Now, Tua has gotten benched twice already. And in one of those, Fitzpatrick leads you to a win. If the Raiders don't blow that game, the Dolphins don't control their destiny right now. No. That, they, their playoff hopes are down the drain. The Colts probably have it locked up because they would have beat the Jaguars, no doubt about it. And that's all because of Fitzmagic. And, and, you, you, and now you're going to start to a week 17 after Fitzpatrick had that miraculous comeback. You're going to start to win. If Tua doesn't win and you guys miss the playoffs and with the Texans getting a top five pick, they might draft the quarterback. The Texans could be picking as high as three. And who knows? Obviously, Trevor Lawrence is going to go number one. There's no question about that. But if the Jets go Sewell, or even if the Jets go quarterback, say they take Wilson or Fields at two, say they take Lance at two, there's going to be quarterbacks available at three. Whether it's Fields, Wilson, Lance, there's going to be guys there. So it'll be enticing for the Dolphins. There's no question about it. And it, it's not going to be a fun offseason to be a Dolphins fan. That's for sure. There's going to be a lot of question marks. It's, everybody's bought in on Tua. And, and I like Tua too. And I want him to be the guy there. You know, I want to believe in him. But we'll talk about it later. I, I do have my question marks after what's happened yeah, the past few weeks. And um, so that's why I think the Colts, I, I want to believe that they'll make it. But obviously, realistically, the percentages are against them. They're amongst all the teams. They have the lowest percentage to make it. But, man, I just hope they do because Phillip Rivers has had a tremendous season. So has Frank Reich, their defense. I think it would be a shame. And honestly, there's nobody but to blame but themselves because they blew the game against the Steelers. They were up 17, and the Steelers came back. But that being said, I think I do. I have the Titans winning the division. I have the Browns getting in, the Ravens getting in and the Colts getting that last spot in the Dolphins looking from the outside, looking in, and missing the playoffs. We had the same exact scenarios. I will say, though, if over the the next couple days the Bills come out and say they're either resting Josh Allen or they're resting a handful of their starters, I would feel much more confident in saying the Dolphins win that game and make the playoffs over. That would mean that they get all the way up to the five seed. They would yeah. be the five seed, Baltimore at six, and Cleveland at seven. So that that would be the game to keep an eye on. That's my game of the week. I'm very excited to see what happens with that one just because it, it changes so much in that AFC playoff picture. And, and the smartest thing to do for the Bills is to sit Josh Allen. Yeah. And Matt Barkley against that defense, you know, yeah. you, you don't trust that at all. Exactly. And you trust that with Mason Rudolph at the helm, the Browns playing for a playoff spot, are going to beat the Steelers, which means that you would be locked in at the two seed. So there's really no reason to put your guys out there against a Miami team that has everything to lose. Unless uh, th- these are the two scenarios, unless 
you don't want to see your division rival get into the playoffs. Mm. But then again, this is just my opinion. You'd rather the Dolphins and the Colts in the playoffs. That's what I think. Yeah. I I think that, and this is what I was going to say, either way, there's going to be a team on the outside looking in that is a no doubt surefire playoff team, and it's a shame. And either of those teams that gets in, whether it is the Colts or the Dolphins, they're not going to be a pushover matchup for any team. Don't, don't sleep on this scenario, too. The Browns could miss it, and the Browns yeah. have bad luck. They, you know? they have to play. <laughs> Granted, Mason Rudolph uh, is going to be starting. The Steelers are going to sit a couple guys. We just watched the Browns play the Jets, and they looked embarrassing. I thought the Jets, I, I think the Jets are better than people give them credit for. I, and I agree with you, but there's no reason the Browns, a playoff team sitting at, a, you know. With no receivers? There was nobody out there. That's it's it's fair, but still, I don't think that there was any reason they should have lost that game. And you know, it's a mental thing too. You just lost to the worst team in football, second worst team in football. I got to get used to saying that after the Jets. You know, I, I just I, I think chances, that the, I think people around the league think the Jets are not a bad team. They're just no. badly coached. Yeah. Their talent is there. John Franklin Myers is top fifteen in in, in um, pressure. Quentin Williams, we know he's a Pro Bowl level talent. Like, they get after the passer. We don't have edge rushers to finish it off. But in terms of pressure, we get a lot of pressure to the yeah. quarterback. And if you have no receivers, and that it makes co- it hard. That cornerback room has been coming around. A lot of people haven't been seeing it, but Bryce Hall and Javelin Guidry have been very solid out there coming in in their rookie season. So I agree. I don't think the Jets are as far away as people think. But any Adam Gase coach team with the season the Jets have had a loss like that for the Browns, who have playoff aspirations, is a tough one to swallow. Now you've got to go play your division rival for a playoff spot. You know, it's a lot mentally. Baker Mayfield, we know he's been you know hit or miss so far in his career. So what Browns team is going to come out? There's so many question marks. Yeah, it's definitely, I think, for the Browns and the Colts, if they miss the playoffs, it's a disappointing season. For the Dolphins, it's not. Because you you made it farther than you thought you would, than everybody thought you would. Even though they would like to get into the playoffs, I don't think it's much of a disappointment as a 40-year-old Phillip Rivers and a Browns team that we all thought were, were a lot to make the playoffs at this point in the season. Yeah, and if you're the Colts, like, or, or I'm sorry, if you're the Dolphins or any Dolphins fan, it will seem very disappointing at the time. But when you take a step back a month later and you look at the season, you're going to see a lot of successes. And now you're going into an offseason where you're going to have a top five pick at least. You're going to have another first rounder. You have great draft capital. You have money to spend. They're in very good shape for the next you know, foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. So now the next topic we're going to talk about is J.J. Watt's emotional press conference. He basically was saying that, he talked about how the fans are still behind them and rooting for them, and the product on the field that they're giving the fans is is poor. And he talked about how much they're getting paid, and they're getting paid to play a game, basically, and they're messing it up because a lot of guys are not taking it seriously. They lost to the Bengals 37-31. to They gave up 500 total yards. And again, as great as Deshaun Watson was, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, 300 passing yards, they still lost. And right now, I think it's just all gloomy and doomy in Houston. But I think this is a bright spot, what J.J. Watt said. And should every athlete feel the same way, in your opinion? Yes, 100%. And it, it's sad that people don't feel the same way because, like he said, you know, they're, and 
it kind of goes hand in hand with something that Booger McFarlane said. I, I think a lot of stuff that he says is is ridiculous, but he said something very true the other day about Dwayne Haskins and how some players come to the league and they're so worried about everything else instead of just going in, getting better, working hard for their team. And Dwayne Haskins seems like another guy who fell into the trap of you know everything that comes with playing. But you look at these guys and. Some of them get to this level and they just rest on their laurels. But J.J. Watt is a perfect example of a guy who has never taken his foot off the gas pedal. And if every player in the Texans organization could play at the level of J.J. Watt or can work at the level of J.J. Watt, I promise you they would not be in the situation that they're in right now. And it's a shame. We've, you know, I've joked about it with my friends. We got to free Deshaun Watson because he doesn't deserve the situation that he's in right now. You look at his numbers. Any team with a quarterback playing that well should maybe not be in playoff contention, but should at least be going out competing week to week. And, you know, we're looking at this Texans team like a joke. And I, I think they do compete week to week. They just lose. They lost to the yeah. Colts twice and like a, in a, a bad play by the center. And then against the, the, um, the Bengals. But they put up 31 points. There, there's no, their record does not reflect the team that they should be. But I just feel like that organization right now is, is in such a bad place. But I don't think it's that big of a turnaround. I think if they bring the right head coach in and they make the right decisions in, in an offseason or two, they're in a good spot because they have their quarterback. Deshaun Watson is the guy. You know, There's no questions about it. He is a superstar quarterback. So you have that in place. And you know, I think that J.J. Watt set the example for what everybody in the NFL should follow. You're making all that money to go out there and, like you said, play a child's game. There should be no reason that any anybody falls out of the league the way some of these guys like Dwayne Haskins have done this past week. It, it should never happen, and it's a shame that it does. You know me, I think, I think every athlete should feel this way. I think that's what we would expect. But then again, when you're getting paid that much money, you know, you got two types of people. The type of people that are going to appreciate it and the type of people that are going to take it for granted. And when you're getting paid that much money, it really makes you kind of forget how far you've come. And we can even be honest, even if guys, once you get to your second contract, when you play a professional sport, you're kind of set for life. Yeah, It's just that first contract. And after your second one, you're kind of set for life. And that we, that's what we see. That's why we're all, a lot of people are always hesitant to pay players that have that one breakout year during their contract year because you get really unmotivated after that. Another example in the NBA, even though he's still in the NBA, is Andrew Wiggins. And he has no no motivation at all. And the thing is, is that I do think every athlete should feel, feel that way, but I also think it's unrealistic for them to feel that way. Because there are guys that are good enough talent, athletically that they can work, you know, not, as, not the hardest. They can work, they can be, you know, they can work harder than others, but not, work the hardest and still be a good player. There are some players that need to work hard to be good and yeah. even be at that level regardless. But when you're so athletically gifted, you don't have to put that much effort into what you're doing. And I think that goes for like a lot of things in life. You know, if you're super strong, you don't have to like, you know, try to lift the most weights all the time or try to push Staying yourself every shape. time. Exactly. If you have a great metabolism, you don't have to, you know, watch what you eat that much as much as other people. So, I mean, that goes for everything. But when you talk about the Texans and the turnaround, I think it is a long turnaround. I think this turnaround is three seasons, three to four seasons. The biggest problem is they don't have their picks. 
I think the biggest problem is... And their money situation is also terrible. Yeah, their cap, I think, to me, is their biggest problem. And Bill O'Brien is single-handedly ruined that organization for the next couple of years. You're paying David Johnson a lot of money. You're paying Brandon Cooks. You, you probably have to sign Will Fuller because you don't have anybody on that roster outside of him. J.J. Watt's getting paid, too. I wouldn't be surprised if J.J. Watt gets cut. Yeah, and and, and, and it's in a next shame. season or after this one, because I I believe that if they cut him, I'm not sure if if, if it's this season or next season, they'll save about thirteen million dollars. He he's still a great player, but his production is slowly decreasing year by year, and the money that they're paying him is just crippling. And, and there's a couple guys that you mentioned that ha- are just killing that salary cap number, and it's not even guys that are making that big of an impact. So. The cap situation is really bad, but you said it. Bill O'Brien really ran that organization to the ground. I don't know whose idea it was to give him the keys in the first place, but that was the biggest mistake they could have made. I mean, the idea was somebody that wanted to do with the Patriot wave. You've seen that <laughs> wave fail a bunch of times. In Detroit, it failed. In the Texans, it failed. Even, you can mention other places, too. Even in New England, as much as it was good for them, look at now. They lost Tom Brady, and all the flaws are getting exposed. You know, it's a very nice idea, you know, looking at it. But when you actually put it into action, coaches are not the people that should be making the decisions up top. You know what's the thing, though, about the Patriots is I think that they're not as bad as people like to think they are in terms of position because they had the most opt-outs in the NFL. Stephon Gilmore just got injured. I think he's out for the year now. And... They have the most cap space in the league, I think the third most next season. So this, for them, could be a very quick turnaround. And like Bill Belichick said, I mean, he sacrificed a lot of money and salary cap in order to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. And that's what they did, and they they won. Yeah. So it went right in his way. This is one bad year. They can easily turn it around next year. Yeah, and he said it. it it's the absolute truth. They they sold out for those championships and they won three of them and they went to two more and they went to another AFC title game and if you offered that to almost any team in football except maybe the Chiefs, any team would take that over over the next whatever decade. Any team would be happy with that. So you can't be upset at it. But you know, I definitely think there are the flaws to having the coach run the system. But going back to what JJ Watt said. I, I agree with you. It's unrealistic, but it's sad to think that there are people that, you know, can see how much people invest into them and not take it, not take it personally. Like I know for me, obviously we're not in the same situation making millions of dollars, but even having, we have 23 people watching the stream right now. I see the people that watch our videos when we have, you know, maybe thousands of people watching a video, it motivates me, even if I'm not being paid millions of dollars to go out and do my research and make sure the next video is just as good, if not better, just because people are taking the time out of their day to watch us for 10, 20 minutes. You know, I I want that content to be good. And so I, I just can't understand how somebody can be at any level and have people invested in them and not want to put out the best that they possibly can. Like, it's just, and it's just me as a person. Like, I don't yeah. understand how people could be that way. Yeah, it's true. I mean, especially when you're in such a a, a blessed position that a lot of people you know, oh, man. work really hard to get to and never get to. There are a lot of dynamic duos in the NFL right now. Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes. But as of last year, there's a new one coming onto the scene. Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry, they have brought life to the Tennessee Titans. 
And last year they made it to the AFC Championship, and this year we're not sure because their defense has been a real question mark. But how far do you think Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry can take the Titans in the playoffs or even moving forward? Well, you said it. The defense is definitely the concerning part of this team. You look at the numbers, they're 23rd in points allowed, 29th in yards allowed, 28th in rushing yards allowed. I mean, you look Sunday night, they made A.J. Dillon look like he was Derrick Henry in the wrong uniform. So the defense has been bad. There's no sugarcoating it. But when you look at the offensive side of the ball, I think they might be one of the most underrated units in all of football. You know, they're going to be about 100 yards in every spot away from having a 4,000-yard passer, a 2,000-yard rusher, and 2,000-yard receivers. Like That is a very dynamic offense. And you saw last year when Derrick Henry got going, there are very few people in the league that can stop him. I think outside of the Chiefs, the Buffalo Bills are the only team that are far, you know, clearly better than them. I think the the Chiefs and the Bills are higher up than everybody else in the conference. But other than that, I think it's a pretty level playing field for anybody in the AFC. So I could see, depending on the draw, I could see the Titans going all the way to the AFC title game. Again, it just depends on who they play and, and what matchups they get. And Derrick Henry needs to be the same guy he was last season. He's shown it. Save for Sunday, which was a fluke game, I think, and the Packers were able to focus on the run more because of the weather. The past few weeks, he's been great. And if he can stay at that same level, which I trust him to in the playoffs, they will be a tough matchup for anybody, except maybe the Chiefs or Bills, because those two teams are, I think, head and shoulders above the rest of the conference. I said this earlier around week three, week two, when a Seahawks defense was historically bad and their offense was historically good. Like, right now, I don't think the Titans can make it very far. They have one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Their defense right now is 29th in total yards. They're only better than the Texans, Jags, and Lions. <laughs> and that's not a company you want, to, you want to be in. They're 28th in passing yards, 19th in rushing yards, and 23rd in points. So they don't stop the pass well at all. They're very bad at stopping the run, as we've seen with A.J. Dillon and what he did to them. The only thing keeping them afloat is the offense. They, like, look, we know that Derrick Henry's phenomenal. He's third. They're, right now, the Titans are second in rushing yards. Derrick Henry has 1,777 yards rushing and 15 touchdowns. And as good as Tannehill has been, statistically, you look at his stats and you say, wow, he's having a great season. But they're 21st in passing yards amongst the whole league. So they're not some air raid offense. They're not going to light you up passing. And that's the concern. If you stop the run, can Ryan Tannehill win that game? I think he can versus some teams, but I don't put my entire faith on Tannehill, even though I think he is a great quarterback. I just think this season the Titans are in a bad position. Last week, we saw, I mean, versus the Packers, they got a Dorier Jackson back. He's yeah. back. So they're getting their guys healthy. But now that they got Jackson back, Jadavian Clowney's out for the year. He's not coming back. And I think ultimately what's going to cost the Titans is the decision not to bring back Logan Ryan. I think Logan Ryan was a huge piece for them. You see what he's doing to the Giants. He went to the Giants. The Giants are one of the best defenses in the NFL. I know one player doesn't change the entire defense, but he sure does matter. And basically, you didn't re-sign Logan Ryan, and then you traded for Desmond King. Granted, it was a six-round pick. You know, you basically traded for Desmond King to fill that Logan Ryan role. The but Titan you, you could have had Logan Ryan without giving mm-hmm. up a pick. The Titans were in great position to just run it back and add some pieces 
And they didn't do that. They kind of they didn't bring some guys back, and I thought they mattered. And it's going to cost them in the playoffs because this defense is so bad. I don't see them making it far at all. Yeah, I would have rather paid Logan Ryan than Paige Davian Clowney for the output he's giving you this season. And I think that Logan Ryan would have been a much more important piece to this defense, you know, and clearly would have helped out with the passing game. Like you mentioned, you see what he's done with the Giants. He's been spectacular with them, and he earned himself a big payday there with New York. But I, I do think the defense is concerning. The reason I do give them a, a chance, a puncher's chance against pretty much any team in the AFC outside of those two teams that I mentioned I think that all, all of those other teams in the AFC have holes. You know, the Steelers, I guess you would consider the next best outside of those teams. Although the defense is great, their offense has been... It, they seem to figure it out the second half against the Colts. But when, not when Big Ben calls the plays. When Big Ben calls the plays, they're really good. Is that what's going to happen in the playoffs? It's, yeah, I it think should. it would. It should. I think it would. But I, they should have done that sooner. And, Th- and I is... wonder about that decision-making going into the playoffs. What are the Steelers going to be in the playoffs? We talk about teams that if they can run the ball well, they can make it far in the playoffs. The problem with the Titans and, that's, and that um, line of thinking is that you have to be able to run and get stops. Yeah, You know, the, the Titans can run the ball for eight straight minutes and score – and they're going to give up seven points in one, you know, because they're that bad. So it doesn't really matter if you're running the ball. All you're doing is getting your own offense tired because your defense is not on the field very long because they're getting scored on. So it, 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 it instead of having the opposite effect of fatiguing the defense and then having the offense have less time, you're fatiguing your offense along with their defense as well. But ultimately, you need that energy because your defense is not out there getting stops. So I think that's going to cost them. And we've seen, I think, that loss to the Packers was was eye-opening because we look at it on paper, they should have beat them. You you know, your biggest strength is the Packers' biggest weakness. And you lost. I think some of that is due to the snow. I mean, you're not, nobody on the Titans is used <laughs> to playing in snow. So that had a lot to do with it. But even then, I just think the AFC is really good. I They can beat the Ravens, I think. I think they can beat the Ravens. The Steelers, I don't see it. Um... The Bills, I don't see it. The Chiefs, I don't no, see it. No, I don't it. give them any chance against either of those two teams, yeah. the Bills or the Chiefs. So it's really going to be tough, but I, I just think because their defense is so bad, they won't make the AFC Championship like they did last year. You just never know what Titans team you're going to get. You know, We've seen them go out and lose to the Bengals, and then we've also went out and seen them get great wins. Uh, you know, They beat the Colts this year, and I thought they looked really impressive in that game. So you just never know what Titans team you're going to get, I feel like. Some weeks they look like world beaters, and then some weeks they come out and they don't even look like the same team. So I definitely, like I said, don't give them any chance against the Bills or the Chiefs because I think if it comes down to a shootout, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are just on a different level offensively, and I would trust them through the air much more than Ryan Tannehill. But against any other team, you know, the Steelers... The Steelers looked good in the second half against the Colts. They looked very good in the second half against the Colts. So if that's what the Steelers are looking like in the playoffs, I would change my mind. But just because I don't know what the Steelers are going to be, and I I have the Titans on that same playing field as all those wildcard teams that I have getting in, it's just a hit or miss, I feel like, with almost any of those teams. The Ravens, I will say the Ravens have been playing better as of late, but we saw earlier in the season... They have holes that can be exposed. You know, you get Lamar Jackson, you you stop him on the ground, you get him throwing the ball. It's been his kryptonite in the playoffs the last two seasons. And the Browns, Baker Mayfield, 
Granted, he didn't have his receivers. He showed against the Jets. He can have a fluke bad game. But they demolished the Titans. They did. They did. And that's the thing. You just never know. There's been so many up and down teams in the AFC this year, and I think the Titans have been one of them. If you get them playing their best football, like they, I mean, last season, I didn't think that they were an AFC championship team. I just thought they put together their best football for three weeks in January. But that's because towards, like, going into the playoffs, they were playing the great great football like right now they're not going into this playoffs with the same momentum and you talk about the Ravens they beat the Ravens but the reason the Ravens went out and traded for Calais Campbell was to potentially stop a Derrick Henry in the playoffs Calais Campbell's one of the best run stoppers he didn't play when they faced the Titans he didn't play so I think Calais Campbell on the field makes a much bigger difference than when they didn't have him because they got him to stop the run game. Yeah, and, and I don't think it takes any rocket scientist to know Derrick Henry is the key. If Derrick Henry can have games like he had prior to the Packers game, they can they can hang with almost anybody. But if Derrick Henry is, you know, clogged up like he was against the Packers, they they don't really have a chance. Yeah. The Dolphins and Raiders played. They the Dolphins beat the Raiders twenty six to twenty five in a miraculous comeback effort by Ryan Fitzpatrick. But the storyline of this game is Tua got benched again. And Tua got benched again. And I want to know, do you are you concerned about this benching? Because I know there's a lot of mixed, reaction, mixed reactions from NFL fans themselves and just fans of other teams. They think it's much more serious versus Dolphins fans. They're just happy they got the win, you know? Yeah, and, and that makes sense. You know, if you're a fan of the team, you just got to be happy that you got the win and you survived to see a week 17 win in your end game. Any team would be excited to have that happen, but it is definitely a concern. And I've been a guy who, you know, I've backed to a pretty much this whole season, but how could you not be concerned? This is now the second time this season that you've benched him in a situation where you were down in the second half and you needed a spark. So you're essentially saying, and I think Brian Flores has done a terrific job in Miami. So this is not, you know, me knocking him or whatever, but you're essentially showing your quarterback that you have no confidence in him to bring your team back late, you know, facing a deficit. And and if you don't trust him now to do that, then when are you going to trust him to do that? Justin Herbert, you don't see the Chargers pulling Justin Herbert out of the game with Terod Taylor on the bench, you know, down late in games. They, They open up the playbook for him and they let him go. And that's something that I've said all year. But honestly, at this point, I don't know if it's, the, the offensive schemes changing for Tua, or if it's just Tua not making big throws. You look at the numbers, he's averaging 161 passing yards a game, which is the lowest in the league by far. It's about 70 yards per game, less than Ryan Fitzpatrick. His longest completion of the season was 35 yards, and that's far lower than any other starting quarterback in the NFL. And with a guy like that, he, he's just been too tentative, and he's not willing to make big-time throws. And I understand that Ryan Fitzpatrick is a loose cannon. You never know what you're going to get out of him. We witnessed it firsthand when, when it was Fitz Magic year in Week 17 against the Bills. He came out, and he was terrible, and he cost us a season. But with that high risk comes the high reward of him making bigger-time plays. And I said it a month ago, as much as I like Tua, and, and I, I hope he's the guy there, I think he's just too conservative to compete for a playoff team, especially they're going to go into the playoffs and get 
if they win probably the Bills in the first round, and to hang with Josh Allen in that offense, you can't play conservative. You need to be able to match them on the scoreboard, and I think that Ryan Fitzpatrick gives them the best chance to do that at this point in time. <laughs> you know, I, I told you so. And I told Dolphins fans, I told them so. I got a bunch of dislikes on my video. I think this is extremely concerning that Tua got benched for the second time, and he had, he wow, he completed 77% of his passes but he only averaged four yards per attempt. And right now, where we stand currently, Aaron Jones is averaging more yards per run than Tua is per pass. A running back is averaging more yards per run than a quarterback is per pass. That's a problem. See, right now, the, the two drives I got to a bench, because I watched the game, third and 11, he nearly threw an interception to Dallin, Dallin Levitt. He nearly threw an interception, he just threw it, He's trying to make something happen, but he also nearly threw an interception earlier in that game, I think, in the first quarter as well. And, okay, then the next drive, Tua took a sack that put them in third and 18. They just did a draw to Miles Gaston. He got some yards, and he was benched right after. See, in my opinion, Fitzpatrick is 13-16. and 16. Right now, Brian Fitzpatrick comes in. They're down 13-16. Down three with 836, 8.36 left. He leads them and ties the game. If you can't trust Tua to come down three points, how can you trust him in any situation? You're not down 20. You're not down 10. You're down three points in the fourth quarter. And you don't have faith in him to lead that charge? I think that's extremely concerning and it's alarming. Yeah, and that's a mental thing too. You know, and I I, I don't want to knock... Brian Flores, because I think he did the right thing bringing Ryan Fitzpatrick in. I don't think they win that game with Tua at quarterback just because I think he was a little too conservative. And, you know, you see the play, the one in the game. I don't think he makes the throw that Ryan Fitzpatrick made to set them up for that field goal. Granted, it was a lot of luck. I don't even think Tua makes that throw. So it was the right decision to win the football game in a spot where they needed a win to continue their playoff hopes. But how do you then put Tua out this weekend in a winning your in week 17 game after you just essentially said to him last week, we don't trust you to bring us back into the football game? I just think that all these mixed messages are tough for a rookie quarterback to handle on top of the fact that he hasn't had eye-popping games. He hasn't made big plays like Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert, even, even Jalen Hurts has so far in their you know limited sample size. I still think that Tua has potential, and I think that down the road he can be a good quarterback, but now this blurs the lines because, say, the Dolphins don't trust him to be the guy. They go out, they draft a quarterback. Where does the situation come for, for Tua Tagovailoa? Because Josh Rosen is another guy who a lot of people thought had potential and was in a bad situation in Arizona. He lost his job there, and he hasn't had an opportunity since. So I, well, I think it, they're two different situations. Yeah, I agree, but if you don't get... If, if you don't take full advantage of your first opportunity in the NFL, you never know when a second no, but opportunity I, I is going to come. Look, I don't think Tua's been bad. He hasn't no, been bad. No, he hasn't, but... Josh Rosen was horrible. I agree. I agree. But I, I, I was saying if you miss out on your first opportunity, the chances of a second opportunity coming around in a league where a lot of teams are solidified at quarterback, or at least think they are, they're not willing to go out and take a flyer on somebody... Or if you don't have a quarterback, why are you going to go take a chance on somebody's dirty laundry rather than drafting your own guy? It's, it's a slippery slope if you don't make it in your first opportunity. 
Tua will be the Dolphins quarterback. He won't be their franchise quarterback. He'll be a game manager, but he'll be their quarterback because he hasn't been bad. He just hasn't been great. This is this is my opinion. Whenever Tua's playing, oh, there's no receivers. Oh, we have no running game. Oh, Chan Gailey sucks. When when Fitzpatrick is playing and he's doing well, I don't hear any of those same excuses. I don't hear none of that. All I've been hearing is that Tua has no receivers. So why did Fitzpatrick in one quarter have more yards than you did in the entire game? I thought the receivers were the problem. I thought Chan Gailey was a problem. But no, it Tua is he's just not that good right now. And I've been saying it. In the NFL right now, when you look at the star quarterbacks, you look at um, Mahomes, um, Josh Allen, even Justin Herbert, you can say he's ascending towards that. They all have great physical attributes. They're 6'6". They have strong rocket arms. They're physically talented. You look at guys like Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray. Oh, these are short quarterbacks and they're, they're elite. Yeah, because they're extremely fast. Nobody can catch them. When you look at Lamar Jackson, he has elite speed. Tua does not have an elite attribute in terms of his his physicals. Like, he's not very tall. He has a weak arm, weak average arm. He has to be so phenomenally great at reading defenses and understanding coverages for him to be an elite quarterback. He has to be so good in that. And we look at a guy in Drew Brees. Drew Brees, yeah, he's not, he doesn't have all the physical attributes. He got paired up with one of the best offensive play callers in NFL history. Is that going to be Tua? Is Chan Gailey that? Are they going to find one of the best offensive play callers in, in league history? It's not likely. So that duel between Breeze and Breeze and a, a Peyton was an extremely fortunate opportunity. And you look at Brady. Brady reads defenses at a mastermind level, and he's six four. It's not like he's six foot, and he has a he has a strong arm too. Brady does. Tua does not have anything. He's not physically gifted like these other quarterbacks, and. These past couple of years, we've been seeing the Bets quarterbacks in the NFL are physically gifted. They have physical gifts. Tua is not 6'6". He's six foot, And he doesn't run fast. He's not a cheat out there. He's not Tyreek Hill speed. He's not Russell Wilson speed. He doesn't have Kyler Murray speed. He's pretty, he's pretty, you know, average in terms of athleticism. And that's why I think he'll be an okay quarterback, but is he going to be a special quarterback? No. To your point, I think that the reading defense thing, that – more comes with time. You know, it, it's a tough thing to come in and read an NFL defense from day one, especially if that's supposed to be your elite trait. If you want to get elite at reading NFL defenses, I don't think that's going to happen from day one. Yeah, but I'm saying that's his only avenue for him to yeah, be yeah, elite yeah, quarterback. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I think, I, I, you know, I want to see him next year. I don't think it would be smart for the Dolphins to draft a quarterback. I think they should go out, and, and if Sewell is on the board at the three number three pick or wherever they're picking four, if he's on the board... That's the guy that I would take, and then I would go receiver with my other first-round pick and, and just try and build up that offense. I think that defensive unit is in great shape. If you could add two weapons, you know, see well on that offensive line, bolster that line even more, and add a weapon receiving, there's a bunch of great wide receivers in this draft. I I, I want to see what he can do next year, just because I know it, it's all excuses, but it is a weird situation to come into. You didn't have training camp. You didn't have you know, a preseason, you didn't have any preseason games. You came in midway through the season as a starter. So it was a weird situation getting him thrown in. So I would like to give him an off season to get acclimated and see what he does next year before I use a top five pick on a quarterback when I don't even know what I have in the guy I drafted last year yet. 
this is what I hate about people who use quarterback wins as a stat. Tua is six and two. That does not mean he's a better quarterback than most quarterbacks in the NFL. Deshaun Watson has less wins than Tua. Is is Deshaun Watson not as good as Tua? No, Deshaun Watson. He's Tua's not even on the same atmosphere as Deshaun Watson. He can't even breathe the same air as Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson is breathing Martian air. He's from another planet. This is what I think. If if we're going if we're going by quarterback wins to determine how how good a quarterback is, Jimmy Garoppolo and Dak Prescott would be top five quarterbacks. Dak Prescott just last year had the most wins outside of Brady in his first five seasons in the NFL. Jimmy Garoppolo in his two in his two years starting in, in San Francisco, he's won a lot. Does that mean he's a top three quarterback? No, it does not. We have to stop using wins as a basis for determining how great a quarterback is because it's ridiculous. It's when wins are a team statistic, not a quarterback statistic. Do quarterbacks influence wins? Yes, they do. They influence them a lot. But if they win, are we only going to praise the quarterback for it? No, it's no. ridiculous. There's so much that goes into it. It's like when when wins are used for pitchers in baseball. It's great. You could be the greatest pitcher in the league, but if your offense doesn't score a run, it doesn't matter how well you pitch because you, you can't win a game with zero runs. It's the same thing with a quarterback. You know, as good as you may play, if you're you look at Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert has been spectacular this year, but their defense can't stop a nosebleed. So he he his record doesn't look good. But if you watch the tape. You know, he's been one of the better rookie quarterbacks we've seen in recent memory. So, you know, he's breaking rookie records, but it hasn't equated to wins because there's so many other problems with that team right now. So I I agree with you. Anybody who uses wins as a quarterback stat, it's ridiculous. And I think a lot of the time it's used when there's no other argument to make for a quarterback. So we talked about Tua getting benched just now. Now we're going to talk about Justin Herbert. He broke the rookie touchdown record. And what are your thoughts on him breaking that record? He now has 28. He could have had 29, but Mike Williams dropped a touchdown pass in the end zone. But, okay, he has 28. And it was to Austin Eckler. And that touchdown reception by Eckler was actually the most, like, he's the youngest undrafted running back to have that many reception touchdowns. Wow. He has 15 reception touchdowns. So that that touchdown was both historic for Eckler and for Herbert. He's been incredible, man, and, you know, I, I don't think a lot of people expected this with him coming out of college just because there was a lot that needed to be polished, it seemed like, coming out of Oregon, but I think the tape was a little deceiving on what he did as a duck. I don't think that offensive system was the most conducive to what kind of quarterback he was, and getting him in there with the Chargers has been the best thing that ever could have happened to them. They got to be ecstatic. I think they had their guy for the next decade plus there. And I've said it before. I don't think they're as far as away as they might seem or as their record might show. They've had injury problems all year. You know, they've been, I know Derwin James is the guy they're missing for the whole season. Eckler missed pretty much the whole season. They've had injuries to Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. Both of those guys have missed time. Hunter Henry had to deal with some injuries throughout the year. That offensive line has been dealing with injuries. So, And I also don't think the coaching situation is very good right now. I think Anthony Lynn needs to go. But if they can figure out the coaching situation and get healthy for next year, combined with you know some picks and some money this offseason, I think they're going to be in great shape going into next year and beyond. The only problem is they're in the same division as the Chiefs. But... Justin Herbert has been excellent. He's been the most impressive rookie quarterback, in my opinion. I Just watching him on the tape, he's been eye-popping. Like a, a top 
level NFL talent at quarterback, not just a rookie quarterback talent, but an NFL quarterback talent. Like he has been incredible. He joins Mahomes to ha- to have he's the youngest player in like first in the first fourteen starts. He joins only Mahomes to having four thousand yards passing. So Herbert has been phenomenal. He's five and nine as a starter. The Chargers are six and nine overall. I, I think if they, if they didn't give up leads, they probably would have been in the playoff contention. I had the Chargers making the playoffs before the season with even thinking that Tyrod was going to be starting because I thought their roster was really good, but we they had injuries, so that's why they're not there. Derwin James was one of them. Mike Pouncey, um, Russell Okung, um, Brian Bulaga. These guys all got hurt. See, see for me. Herbert has been phenomenal. I'm not I'm not gonna take anything away from him. Twenty-eight touchdowns. That broke Breaker Mayfield's record. But th- with that being said, people have to stop acting like everybody was wrong about Herbert. Herbert's tape in college was very alarming. And I mean Herbert's tape in college did not show this. Either Herbert got way better or the or the Oregon Ducks failed him. Yeah miserably at Oregon but his college tape did not show this and the consensus out of college was that Herbert was a risk we knew that he had the strongest arm in the draft we knew that he had all the physical tools but that college tape was alarming and that goes back to the conversation of Tua and Herbert the Dolphins took Tua because although Herbert is way more physically gifted and talented Tua at the time was the safer pick you kind of know more so what you're going to get out of Tua Whereas Justin Herbert is a wild card. And that's where, when you take a quarterback like that, that's where coaching comes into play and development. But NFL draft scouts, draft analysis, Herbert was a wild card. He, yeah. was a, he was a mixed bag. You didn't know what you were getting out of him. So I know that Herbert has been historic, but we, but we got to stop acting like we saw this coming. Yeah. Nobody saw this coming. And I think it was a little bit of a combination of both. I think that Oregon is not a very good system for NFL quarterbacks. I just don't think their offensive game plan is an NFL-type offense. There aren't many colleges around the country that are, but it's always something that you look at with an Oregon quarterback. An Oregon quarterback could look great in that system, and it could have no bearing on what they're going to look like at the NFL level because they run a great college offense. And so I think that that made his tape different than what he was going to be at the NFL level. And they also brought him in with a guy we've talked about multiple times, Pep Hamilton, who has done a spectacular job with him as his quarterback coach. And so I think that combination of those two things has helped his assimilation into the role of an NFL quarterback. And, you know, I think it also made his tape look worse because they weren't giving him NFL plays to make at, at you know, at his college level. So, as of now, where would you rank all of the rookie quarterbacks that have played? That's talking about Herbert, Burrow, Jalen Hurts, and Tua. What's your rookie rankings for the quarterbacks? So this is tough, and, and I'm taking it in sample size. You know, it's tough to say Hurts is above any of them just because he's played so few games. But based on what we've seen, I would have Herbert at one. I would have Burrow at two. I would have Hurts at three. And I would have two at four. And I think all four of them have the potential to be a lifetime NFL quarter. Like, I think all four of these guys can stick around for a decade plus. You know, I don't I don't see any of them being total busts. Like, I think Tua, even with the concerns that we've seen this season, will be on an NFL roster as a starting quarterback for years to come. So, it's just been, he, he's been in a very historically good 
quarterback class, so it makes him look worse. But I've been, I've personally been more impressed by Hurts in, in the few games that I've seen from him. Even though he didn't look great in the second half against the Cowboys on Sunday, I've been impressed with what I've seen out of him, especially based on what I was expecting out of him. So for me, I think by far Justin Herbert has been the number one quarterback in this draft class so far. The Bengals are 4-9-1, and nine and, one, and Burrow has missed a lot of the season. They could easily be a 6-7 to seven win team if he, if he stays healthy because a lot of their games have been really close. Burrow is second by far. Then I have a gap. There's a gap, then it's Jalen Hurts, and I think there's two more gaps you have to put, then it's Tua. Jalen Hurts, I mean, his first start, he was like the, the only quarterback behind Lamar Jackson to have 109 rushing yards. So he did something historic, you know? And I think Jalen Hurts has just popped out more on the tape. And we talk about we talked about Tua's everybody likes to talk about Tua's receivers, especially Dolphins fans. What about Jalen Hurts receivers? Who are his receivers? You know what I'm saying? So Deshaun Jackson caught a touchdown pass yeah, last Sunday. He's like a dinosaur. Yeah, but even before, you know, who who was Jalen Hurts receivers? You didn't have any. But I agree. Jalen Hurts has flashed way more than Tua. I think Tua in these rookie quarterback rankings. He ranks last. And I'm saying, I keep on saying this, because once Jordan Love gets the chance, I don't know when that's going to be. It might be two years from now. It might be three because Rodgers might just keep tearing up the league. When Jordan Love gets his shot, watch out. He's going to be one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL, and I could see him being the second-best quarterback in this draft class. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's right up there with Herbert when it's all said and done. Well, look at what, I, I think Jordan Love is special. Yeah, look what they did with Aaron Rodgers, grooming him behind Brett Favre and then bringing him in. I, this is a perfect situation to be in if you're a rookie quarterback, in my opinion. I know it's not you know, the, the flashiest you get to come in and play day one, but you get to sit behind one of the greatest quarterbacks ever for probably two or three years. You know, you see they have a great offensive system. They'll have a few more years to add some weapons for you. You're going to have Devontae Adams. Already, yeah, yeah, know? exactly. So I don't know how much better of a position you could be put in as, as a rookie quarterback coming in, getting to learn the ropes. And like you said, he has all the physical traits. So it's just about can he come in and, and adapt to the NFL level. I would bet on yes. But, you know, I, I think it's been an interesting year. Jalen Hurts, I've been glad to see him come in. I mean, he, he's just a sponge. He played great at Alabama and then – when he transferred to Oklahoma, soaked up a completely new offense, took them to the college football playoffs. Now look at him coming into the NFL, into the NFL level, learning an offense in such limited time, and just being a leader. Like I think a lot of Eagles players have spoken about that. You know, he he just brings a different vibe to this team, and that's leadership that you know you can't teach. And so, so I'm excited to see his future with the. And Eagles. your guys' opinions that's watching or listening right now, who are your Rookie rankings at quarterbacks between Herbert, Burrow, Jalen Hurts, and Tua. Comment that right now. Now we're going to get into another quarterback who was a rookie last year. I know you've been waiting on this. This is Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins got cut after a pretty bad performance against the Panthers, which he got benched. And after that game, they they decided to cut him in. You know, what are your thoughts on this and, and what's next for Dwayne Haskins? You know, first and foremost, I have to say I was wrong, and and I'll man up and admit it. I was 100% wrong when we had this discussion. What was that, two months ago now? Two months ago. When when he got benched the first time, 
And we had this discussion, and I said I liked what I saw in him as a guy, as a leader. I think he has all, all the tools to be a stud NFL quarterback. But the, my reasoning behind that, and I went back and I looked, and, and I tried to dig and, and find what I could about him coming into the NFL, but everything coming, into, everything coming into the NFL was glowing reports about him. Urban Meyer said he was the greatest quarterback prospect he's ever seen. You know, in a, in a May 2019 article, Matthew Berry said, I thought, and this was him after he attended an NFLPA rookie, like, premiere event. He said, I thought what was really cool was when I was interviewing Terry McLaurin, Dwayne Haskins came in and interrupted the interview to mess with him. It was a really wonderful moment to see. Obviously, they knew each other very well from Ohio State, but the fact that they felt comfortable enough and he wanted to come over and mess with him a little bit and have some fun, I was impressed with that. Terry McLaurin said, that's Dwayne. Dwayne is a leader. He's being a leader. Paris Campbell, another Ohio State wide receiver, was adamant saying, you're not only getting a guy who puts the ball where you want it, but you're getting a leader. You're getting a guy who makes sure everyone in the huddle is included. So, like, the reports about him coming into the league were glowing. And at Ohio State, he seemed every bit of the leader he was hyped up to be. He led them to a great season. But then, now... After all the dirty laundry has been aired, he's made the terrible decisions that he's made. He got his captaincy stripped. He went out to a, 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 a well-attended birthday party, I guess, for a lack of a better word, breaking COVID protocol with no mask on. Like, that's just, not only is that not being a leader, that's just being incredibly irresponsible and, and hurting your team. And now, all this coming out, Diana Rossini tweets, um... I will never forget the week leading up to the draft in 2019. A member of the Washington coaching staff told me he was going to actually throw up in the war room because ownership wasn't listening. Coaches didn't believe Haskins was the right person to be the future of the franchise. But Dan Snyder made the call to draft him, and big surprise, Dan Snyder's son went to high school with him. So, you know, I think the Washington coaches had it hit on the head, and Dan Snyder, like he's done with many other things in that franchise— ruined it by by stepping in into positions that he had no business stepping into he's been Dwayne Haskins has been by almost any metric you could use the worst quarterback if not one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL this season and you know sometimes when you're a great player you have the leeway to not be a great leader or a great locker room guy or if you're not a great player, but you're a great leader and great locker room guy, you get that leeway, hang around on the roster, you get multiple chances. But you can't be a terrible player and a terrible locker room guy and leader and have that work out. And I give the Washington football team all the credit for cutting ties as soon as they did. And I hope that a 23-year-old Dwayne Haskins can go out and learn from his mistakes because you know I still think he has potential as a quarterback, but... He's got to do some soul searching and figure out his life because, you know, he, he's got a lot that he needs to figure out before he can make it back to the NFL level. I don't believe anything that comes out of college circles that that isn't coming from an insider because I think everything that comes out of college circles, these coaches know that this is generational wealth and money for these players. They're not going to bash them in front of everybody so they don't get a shot. These teammates know this is bigger than them. This is to to put their families in positions to, you know, be financially stable. Anything you hear coming out of college that is in the public eye is ne- is almost 99% never going to be negative. With that being said, 
Dwayne Haskins. He got babied into the offense in Ohio State. Urban Meyer was on an interview with Dan Patrick, I believe, or Colin Coward, one of those, very early in the draft process and said, Dwayne Haskins needs to sit for a year. He's not ready yet because they babied him at Ohio State. And then at Washington, when you heard, there was reports on Washington, Thomas Davis had problems with him. He, I mean, he was bragging about his stats in a loss. Dwayne Haskins was. The, the thing about the strip club, look, I'm not really that mad about it. I don't really care. Like, I, I'm a, I understand it because they're in a position to try to make the playoffs. So I understand where that's coming from. But me personally, I don't really care about that story. I care more about the stuff that he did in the offseason because I already had an opinion formed about Dwayne Haskins. Then I recently watched this video about how he spent his first million dollars. And $250,000 went to a Bentley. 70000 went to jewelry. 40000 on clothes, 550000 on taxes, and he didn't even count this in his first million, but he spent $750,000 on a house for his parents. You know, so I hope that he's not blowing his money because he's pro- he probably was thinking he was going to get a second contract. But look, I know it's a popular thing to bash Dwayne Haskins right now, and I did it early on when it wasn't popular because that's how I felt. But on this segment today, I'm not going to bash Dwayne Haskins, and I'll tell you why. I feel like him getting cut is bigger than just him getting cut and him being a leader. Because I, I, I think he played bad against the Panthers, but I don't think he played that bad to get cut. I think him getting cut was because Dan Snyder is trying to trying to create headlines surrounding the team that doesn't have to do with his sexual assault allegations and his ongoing court trial. That's what I think. That's my opinion. You know, I didn't get this from anybody. That's just my opinion. But you've seen as things are starting to heat up around Dan Snyder, these reports out of Washington are coming. He's known to be a dictator. He's one of the worst owners in sports. He forced those coaches to draft Dwayne Haskins in the first place to create this hometown hero narrative. And do I think it's outside of him or beneath him? to once these reports are heating up, once some, you know, one of the witnesses said that Dan Snyder was harassing him and sent people to his Baltimore home. Do I think it's beneath Dan Snyder to tell the coaches and and the GMs to cut Dwayne Haskins now? Because you know that's going to dominate the headlines for the next couple of days or weeks. That's the only thing people are going to be talking about. So I think it's a bigger part because even with these reports, about Dwayne Haskins, you know, not being a great leader or going to the strip club, it's not worth getting cut. You know, as bad as they sound, it's not worth getting cut. They just took you with the 15th overall pick a year and a half ago, and they're cutting you? When has that ever happened in the NFL? Ryan Leaf, who was a terrible quarterback, got like four seasons before he was cut. Jamarcus Russell got like three. So, and and Dwayne Haskins, I know they're trying to make this comparison. Dwayne Haskins is not Jamarcus Russell. No. Jamarcus Russell was was, was like, Dwayne Haskins came into shape, you know? He's not this lazy slob that Jamarcus Russell was. Jamarcus Russell was on a different type of level of lazy and unmotivated. That's not Dwayne Haskins. So him getting cut this fast, I think it's part of a bigger narrative that people aren't talking about. (laughs) Did you ever hear the Jamarcus Russell story that one time they sent him home from practice with tape and told him to study the tape, and there was nothing on the tape. It was just empty tape, and they asked him, 
the next week he came back to practice. They asked him what the tape, and he was explaining like these these schemes. There's nothing on the tape because yeah, and, he just didn't and with, care. And with that being said, Dwayne Haskins is not some untalented player. No, he's yeah. very talented. He's a very talented quarterback, and with the right system, he can flourish. You know, so it's not it's, that's why him getting cut this soon. He didn't even play. I don't think he played abysmal enough to get cut today. That that's just me being honest. I definitely would not put your theory past Dan Snyder. Like you said, he's one of, if not the worst owners in sports. Not only is he a bad owner, he's a bad person. I think it's very fair to say that on everything that we know about Dan Snyder. I mean, especially with what's come out in the past year, there, there's no questioning that. So and you go from, sorry to cut you off, but no, you're right. Dwayne Haskins goes from getting stripped from his captain, his captain thing, just a week ago to now getting cut, it just seems like a bizarre ending and something that's way too premature. I don't even think some of the worst coaches in the NFL would cut a player that fast if that were to happen. And Ron Rivera is a great coach and person. Ron Rivera is a guy who is willing to give guys multiple chances based on what I've seen in his track record in the NFL. So I don't think that's the case. The only the only reason it wouldn't surprise me if he was actually cut by you know the football decision makers at the Washington football team is just because they never wanted him in the first place. So the first chance that they had to get rid of him, I would not be surprised. But that was a different coaching staff. Gone. Yeah, that and that's NGM. That's what, so this front office, this coach has no ties to him. The original coaching staff didn't want him. So I definitely think that the fact that there was no ties to Dwayne Haskins, made it easier to cut him, especially after everything he's done this year. Not only has he played bad, but he's made bad decisions. Like you said, the reports that have come out have been nothing but negative in his rookie season, so it wouldn't necessarily surprise Well, it did surprise me, so I shouldn't say that it wouldn't surprise me, but I don't think it would be the craziest thing in the world if it was just them cutting him because of what he's done, but I will say this could be the biggest blessing in disguise for Dwayne Haskins because if they gave him three or four years of, of doing whatever nonsense he's been doing, he would be wasting the prime of his career, the prime of his life, you know, just being being a mess up. But now, at 23 years old, he gets a, a reality check and a chance to start over and, and really change the projection of his career, change the trajectory of his career, I should say. And The reason why I don't think it's a blessing is because when you're in a situation where you're in an NFL team around guys like a great coach like Ron Rivera, who's a great coach and person, you being in that place, them knowing your flaws, they try to fix you as a person. They try, they do everything in their power to try to get you on the right track. Now that you're alone, he has to rely on his own willpower to change. And that's way harder than having people constantly try to tell you. So he was, that's why I don't think it's a blessing because he was with an NFL team, and regardless if you're saying it was a blessing, he was getting paid. So he, yeah. if he was getting paid to mess up, now he's not getting paid. He's getting his guaranteed money, but he's not going to get the money he would have got. So now he's all in this alone because a lot of NFL teams, I don't think that he wasn't even claimed off of waivers. So he's going through this alone. No team is really caring about his well-being, and I think that's in a, that's a much worse position to be in rather than being on a team and teams still trying to, you know, unlock your potential I just think that sometimes people need a wake-up call and maybe that's all it is going to take for Dwayne Haskins I, I hope I truly do hope that it is what it takes for him to turn it around because like you said he has potential to be an NFL quarterback you know 
he was a great player at Ohio State, and regardless of whatever flaws he had, there's no reason that somebody should be cut after their first season in the NFL at the quarterback position when they were drafted 15th overall. You know the potential they had. It, it shouldn't happen. So clearly he had some issues that he has to hash out, and hopefully this was the wake-up call he needed. And, you know, I, I really do hope we see him back in the NFL one day because nobody deserves this fate. Haskins, all he is is immature. He's not some drug addict. He's not some this or that. He's just immature. That's all it is. And that's why I think that this move was surprising because it's not like he was doing anything crazy. You know, he's not like he was sniffing coke before games. He's just immature. That's really all it is. You know, I, I saw this coming based off what that was my gut feeling from earlier on after he got benched. I saw this coming. But then again, I hope that he does turn it around. And people might say, oh, he should be a second stringer or a third stringer. The thing about it is that People think that just because you're talented at the position and you earn a spot or you should get a spot as being the backup quarterback, the backup quarterback's job is to get the starting quarterback ready. They study more than the starting quarterback most of the time because they put together scouting reports and all these other things. If Dwayne Hastings cannot handle the responsibility of being a starting quarterback, what makes you think he'll do more work as a backup or as the backup to the backup? Because they do a lot of work too. It's not like they just show up and try to get ready for whenever there's a spot. They do a lot of work too. So, you know, it's either for him, he has to hope that a team sees potential in him and they'll pick him up. We'll have to see what happens this offseason. It's sink or swim time for him. He's got to figure it out, get his life on track. And if he doesn't do it in a hurry, you'll never hear about him again. And that's a shame. But, you know, he he's really, like you said, now he's got to work harder than ever because he had the luxury of being the 15th overall pick, and usually that means you have some time to figure it out. You can make some mistakes, and, and you have a little bit of a cushion, but he's lost that status now, and now he's got nothing to rest his laurels on. He's got to come in, work harder than ever, and prove that he deserves a spot at the NFL level, whether it's scout team quarterback, second-string quarterback, third-string quarterback, whatever it may be, and hopefully work your way up to a starting quarterback, but... He's going to have to work harder than he ever has before. So now the next topic we're going to talk about is the Seattle Seahawks. They just beat the Rams. They clinched the NFC West. I remember we made a video about the Rams and the Seahawks, and they got a lot of hate because a lot of Rams fans were talking about the Seahawks not going to win the division. I picked the Rams because I stayed loyal to my pick from the beginning of the season, but I thought the Seahawks were going to make it because they're playing really well, especially their defense. But how far do you think they can go now that their defense is coming alive, they're playing better, they're communicating well? How far do you think the Seattle Seahawks can go in the playoffs? I could see them going all the way to the Super Bowl, honestly. I, I have them right up there with the Saints and the Packers as, as my top teams in the NFC, and that's just because their defense has turned a corner. And I know their offense has been struggling a little bit, but I trust Russell Wilson. You know, We saw what he did earlier in the year in that offense with Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Chris Carson getting back healthy. So I, I trust that unit to put it together. The defense has really turned the corner, and that was the big concern. Earlier in the season, they were putting up numbers that were the worst in NFL history. But when you look at what they've done, you know, Jamal Adams has been exactly what you would expect Jamal Adams to be. It was the perfect move for the Seahawks, bringing him in, uh, you know, he was the piece to really ignite that defense. But then they've also had other guys that ha have been great. Rookie Jordan Brooks has really stepped up in this second half. 
Carlos Dunlap, that trade, injected some life into this defense. DJ Reed and Shaquille Griffin are two guys in the secondary that are playing really well for him. Over the last three games, they've been the best scoring defense in the NFL. They, they've allowed nine points per game. Since week 11, they've allowed just under 14 points per game, which is the, a, a point and a half better than any other team in the NFL. So they've been really good. The one thing I will say is that in that span, they've played Kyler Murray, who is a, a very good NFL quarterback. But then they've played Jared Goff, who we've talked about. Carson Wentz, who's since been benched. Sam Darnold, who's playing well, but still... Not a great NFL quarterback at this point in time. Dwayne Haskins, who's cut, and Colt McCoy, who's a backup. So it hasn't come against the best competition, but even confidence-wise, just seeing your defense put up these great numbers and you know getting a big win against a division opponent in the Rams coming into playoff time, I think is huge for them. The defense was the problem, and they've seemed to figure it out. So I don't see any reason why they can't come out of the NFC, you know, depending on what happens with. The Saints have question marks in their offense. What is Drew Brees going to be come playoff time? The Packers' defense, you don't know what they're, what you're going to get out of them week to week. So I think they're right up there as a top three team in the NFC. You were very critical of Jamal Adams. And you you said he's horrible in coverage. You were very he's critical. He's not good in coverage. I think he is. I think he is. I think Jamal Adams is one of the best Saints in the NFL. I think he's a leader. And look, I know that he's not a Jet, and we're both Jets fans. And I, I can understand that you were talking – about him from an emotional place. But for me... It's not from an emotional place. Jamal, he's not... Very, you You can be one of the best safeties in the NFL and not be good in coverage. Jamal, he's, he's an elite pass rusher. Jamal he's the Adams, greatest pass rusher at the safety position maybe ever. Jamal Adams is my prez. He's my president. And he might have forgotten the Pledge of Allegiance in the beginning of the season. But I, look, I said this. I said from the beginning that their problem was communication. Jamal Adams still still knew the Pledge of Allegiance. He just had to sing it in a different tone. That's all it is. He's my prez. Jamal Adams is my president. He's one of the best safeties in the league. He's one of the most flyest and swaggiest players, and he's a leader. He's a leader. And these past couple of weeks when the Jets have beaten two playoff teams, now you see the Jets are talented. They're just badly coached. And maybe if we kept Jamal Adams, we'd have a better record. And I, I sure would have loved prez on the Jets right now. But this is the thing. The Seahawks are one of the worst teams in defending the pass, but the bright side about it is that they're fifth in rushing yards, which means that they can stop the run. And if you can stop the run in the playoffs in colder atmospheres where teams are probably going to run it more, you have a chance to win. But that being said, their defense is coming alive, but Russell Wilson has thrown 10 interceptions in the last 10 games. So he has not played at his MVP self. We thought he was going to be the runaway MVP Right now, I think it's Rodgers, Mahomes, Allen, and then Wilson, and he might even be behind Kyler. They might be in the same bracket. So I think the Seahawks can make it to the Super Bowl because I think Russell Wilson can turn it on. But as of right now, like, I don't, you know, I think their defense will be fine. We seen it last year where the Chiefs were one of the worst-ranked defenses. Then towards the end of the year, they were, like, the first in rushing. And then they went on the run, on Super Bowl run. Can a similar thing happen in Seattle? Yes, I do think so. But it all depends on matchup in the NFC. Yeah. It, you know, if they face Tampa Bay, I don't see them being Tampa Bay. Uh, Green Bay, even Green Bay, you know, I don't see them being Green Bay. Right now, Seattle, they're short at secondary. Trey Flowers is out for the year. He's on IR. Quentin Dunbar is out for the year. He's on IR. They're relying on DJ Reed, and although he has played well, I don't think he can match up against those elite number one wide receivers in the NFL. Especially come playoff time. 
I don't think Shaquille Griffin is that, you know, that well. You seem to think Jamal Adams isn't great in coverage. So that would mean if you face Tampa Bay and have to guard Gronk, <laughs> Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, and Mike Evans, there's going to be a lot of problems right there. So it just, in the NFC, mostly, it all depends on matchups. Who do you match up with in the playoffs? If the Seahawks can avoid the Bucks and possibly just have to go through teams like, even if they face the Rams in the first round, go through teams like the Rams or maybe a Saints or a Green Bay, I think they'll be fine. But it all depends on matchups, especially in the NFC. Yeah, I, I don't think that right now they're a better team than the Packers or the Saints, but I think they have the potential. Just like I, I would have them similarly like the Bucks. I think the Bucks can make a Super Bowl run, but like you said, it depends on matchups and who's going to show up in what way. You just never know. It's much like the AFC where, well, not really, because in the AFC I think the Chiefs, are, are far and away the best team, and then the Bills are right there below them. But I think the Packers, the Saints, the Seahawks, and the Buccaneers are all right there neck and neck with a chance to make it out of the AFC. I don't think there's any clear favorite in the NFC right now. Yeah, and uh, the Seahawks got a lot of slack because of their defense. But I've always said it was just the communication. Once they got the communication right, they became one of the better defenses in the NFL. But I think the key for them is that in the beginning of the year, I said the Seahawks, no way they can make the Super Bowl because their defense was historically (laughs) bad and Russell Wilson was historically good. But now it seems to be the opposite. Like Russell Wilson is turned. He's good still, but he's not MVP great right now. So now the, the Seahawks are kind of depending on Russell Wilson to turn the corner and play like he was playing in the beginning of the year. If he can play like that and with this defense playing as good as they're playing, then they could make it, but you can't. You can't have the defense playing good and Russell Wilson playing okay. Yeah. He has to play superstar level as well yeah. for them to make it. And Russell Westbrook or Russell Wilson, I'm sorry, he, he's an 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 MVP Super Bowl level quarterback. So I don't see any reason he won't turn around come playoff time. It's not like he's never been there. I think he'll figure it out. It would have been hard for him to match the numbers that he was putting up in the first half. And I think that this defense settling in is going to give him a chance to settle in, knowing that he doesn't have to be Superman every weekend out there like he had to be through the first five or so weeks when they were considered one of the best teams in the NFL, but the defense was playing so bad. So I think that this defense playing as well as they had means more almost mentally than anything else because not only did they have that momentum going into the playoffs, but now you're Russell Wilson. You see, okay, our defense has been solid, so you know I don't have to be Superman every week for us to win games. I just need to be myself. Yeah, And I think he can figure that out. And now we're going to go to our last, um, our second to last segment of the episode. NFL pick them week 17, our week 17 picks the last week. Then after this week, we'll do wild card pickups and divisional round then championship round then two roll, of course. But this is week 17, first game Vikings versus the Lions. Who do you have winning this game? The Vikings versus the Lions, I have the Vikings winning. I I think the Lions have looked very bad over the last few weeks. They got a lot to figure out this offseason. And and the Vikings have looked solid. They've impressed me over the last few weeks of the season. And I think they're going to win this one. Yeah, I got the Vikings winning the Lions. I'm not sure if Stafford is going to play or not. He's been dealing with some injuries. The Vikings' playoff chances are gone now, but I think they'll still finish the year strong. And nobody on the Lions can guard Justin Jefferson whatsoever. The next game, the Falcons versus Buccaneers, who do you have? I think it's going to be closer 
than a lot of people might expect it to be. Just because the Falcons have put up a great fight here in the second half of the season, I give them credit there, but I do think the Bucks are going to win this one. I think they're finally putting everything together, getting that timing and communication down that they lacked at the start of the season, and, and Tom Brady's getting in playoff mode. It's a scary sight. You saw what he did last weekend, granted, against a, a terrible defense, but when he starts firing on all cylinders, they're going to be a tough team to stop, and I think they're in that zone. I have two picks. If the Buccaneers rest their starters, the Falcons will win. If it's if they don't, the Buccaneers will blow the Falcons out, and they'll go into the playoffs with a lot of momentum. And people should be scared to face the Bucs because yeah. they're clicking right now. The next game, Jets versus Patriots. Who wins? I actually have the Jets winning this one, and maybe it's just like a momentum pick, but I thought the Patriots looked horrible against the Bills last night, and they have looked pretty bad the last few weeks. Cam Newton... He's just simply not the same guy. I mean, he has not been good this season at all. And the Jets have really started to show some signs of life. Two wins in a row now. Adam Gase, although it seems like, you know, from what I've been hearing, he's going to be done after the final snap on Sunday. He's playing for another NFL job at this point in time. So any win that he can get is going to look great for him on his resume as opposed to, you know, now going 2-14. and 14. Sam Darnold. He's playing for his NFL career, you know, at least his NFL job with the Jets right now. Maybe he gets this three-win streak to end the season. Joe Douglas reconsiders that second overall pick. Doesn't go quarterback, so I think they have a lot to play for going into this offseason, so I'm going to go Jets in this one. I think the Patriots will win. Belichick versus Darnold. Darnold never has the best of that matchup. He always plays poorly. The Patriots aren't very good anymore, but they're still an okay team. Their secondary can shut down all receivers. I think the Patriots win and the, and the Patriots go out on a high note to end the season and the Jets finish 2-14. and 14. Do you, Are they going to start Cam Newton or are they going to go with Jared Stidham? I'm not even sure. Personally, I would start Stidham. See what you have. I mean, I don't I think, think they already have. I, they already know what they have in him. He's not a good quarterback. No. Next game, Dolphins versus Bills. I got the Dolphins in this game. If, if the Bills rest their starters, which they probably should and would, I think the Dolphins win. If they don't, I'll have the Bills winning. I don't see the Dolphins beating a fully loaded Bills team. Yeah, pretty much for all the reasons you said. I touched on it before. If the Bills do rest their starters, which I have a feeling they might, I go with the Dolphins. I think they secure that playoff spot. But if the Bills come out and treat this like any other week, I think the Bills take it. They've been ridiculous the past few weeks. They should be on an A-game winning streak if it wasn't for the Hale Murray. Yeah. Next game, Steelers versus Browns. I have the Browns in this game. Big Ben isn't playing. The Browns need to win to get into the playoffs. I think they'll win this game. Yeah, agreed. I, I did not see anything that, that amazed me out of Mason Rudolph last year. I don't think he's a great quarterback. And like you said, the Browns fighting for their playoff lives. I think they take this one. Next game, this has a lot of incentive. The Cowboys versus the Giants. Whoever wins this game will make the playoffs if Washington loses. Cowboys versus Giants. I'm picking with the Cowboys. They're hot right now. Three-game winning streak. Andy Dalton, CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and Zeke. You know, they want to get into the playoffs. I see them making it. I have the Cowboys winning this game. I went with the Giants just because that defense, I think Joe Judge is going to have that defense up firing on all cylinders with a playoff spot potentially on the line. You know, who knows what happens in the nightcap, but they're going to be selling it as a win, and you get in game to that defense. I think they're going to be ready to play against – the Cowboys, I know they've looked good, but offensively they're not at full strength without Dak Prescott. So I think the Giants' defense does the job and gets that win. 
Next game, the Ravens versus the Bengals. I have the Ravens winning this game easily. I, I don't think there's a chance that the Bengals win. The Ravens have to win this game to clinch the playoff spot so they won't lose. Yeah, I think this is going to be a blowout. The Ravens have actually quietly looked like one of the best teams in the league over the past few weeks. I've been very impressed with the way they've turned things around. I think they blow the Bengals out. Next game, Jaguars versus Colts. Another easy one. The Colts will win. And now the Jaguars are just going to look towards the offseason and wait to draft Trevor Lawrence. The Colts are going to beat the Jaguars easily, too. I also went Colts. I don't think there's any chance in this one. You know, either way, I know the Jaguars have Trevor Lawrence locked up, but I think that once they had that first overall pick locked up, they kind of packed it in for the season. Next game, Titans <laughs> versus Texans. I think this game can be much closer than people realize because the Texans, especially against that bad Titans defense, can keep it close. But I'm going to go with the Titans just because if they win, they clinch their division. So I'm going with the Titans in this one. I'm also going with the Titans. I don't know if Deshaun Watson is going to play or not. I don't think he should, and if he doesn't, it won't even be a close game. It'll be a blowout. But if Deshaun Watson plays, I think it could be an all right game, but I do think the Titans, with their playoff lives on the line, I think they go out and they get this victory. Next game, Cardinals versus Rams. Jared Goff is not playing. Kyler Murray might be hurt. I'm taking the better defense, the elite defense, and the Rams. I think they'll beat the Cardinals, and the Rams will make the playoffs along with the Bears. If Kyler Murray plays, which I think he's on track to do, I'm going with the Cardinals. I just don't trust the the Rams as good of a coach as Sean McVay as I don't trust them to put together an offensive game plan in a, in, a, in a short week, You know, bringing in potentially Blake Bortles or whatever quarterback they may bring in. It's a very tall ask, and I think with a playoff spot on the line, I'll take the Cardinals with the continuity. If Kyler Murray doesn't play, I'm definitely going with the Rams because of that defense, but I'll say Cardinals if Kyler plays. Saints versus Panthers. This is easy. I got the Saints in this. I don't think it'll be a close game. I also have the Saints blowout. Next game, Packers versus Bears. The Packers need to win to clinch the first seed and by the Bears need to win to make the playoffs. I still got the Packers. I think the Packers always have the Bears numbers, and you just can't trust Mitchell Trubisky in a must-win game. Yeah, I'm also going with the Packers. I mean, they have looked lights out spectacular the past few weeks. Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams is just seemingly unstoppable, so I'm going to go with the Packers. Next game, Chargers versus Chiefs. Chiefs will probably rest their starters, so because of that, I have the Chargers winning this game. I think Justin Herbert throws two touchdowns and gets to that 30-touchdown mark for the year. I also took the Chargers in this one. The game means absolutely nothing to the Chiefs, So I and the Chargers, I think, are going to be playing hard. You know, This means a lot to them, end the season on a high note and get some confidence for your young guy going into next season. So I think the Chargers have a lot more to play for, so I think they take this one. Next game, Seahawks versus 49ers. In this game, I got the Seahawks. I think they're playing the starters because they want that first-round buy as well. And the 49ers, with C.J. Bethard, they look better, but I don't think they can beat the Seahawks if they're locked and loaded. Yeah, I think it's going to be a close game. The, the Niners have really impressed me the past few weeks with – you know, a quarterback carousel, but I do have the Seahawks in this one. Like you said, they're going to be playing for that one seed, hoping everything falls in line, but it starts with them winning. So they're going to be playing for that one seed. I have the Seahawks. Next game, Raiders versus Broncos. <clears throat> this is a tough game. I think it could, go, it could go either way, but because I feel like Drew Locke always has a great performance at the end of the year and the Raiders have looked, they just totally choked 
they're 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 placing the standings. I think the Broncos will win this game, and Drew Locke will have a, have a pretty good performance. Yeah, I think this is just a, a whatever game. You know, I don't think anybody's going to be watching this one on Sunday. Uh, but I think the Raiders are going to win. I think David Derek Carr, not David Carr, he might be playing for his his Raiders career right now. You know, I know you've talked about it. The the potential cap they could save by cutting him this off season. So he's going to want to play every great performance he can here down down the end of the season. So I have the Raiders in this one. I think Derek Carr is going to have a great day. The last game of the week, the Washington football team versus the Eagles. If they have Alex Smith, I think they'll win this game. But since I don't think they will, I'm picking the Eagles to win. And I think Jalen Hurts will play really well. I I think this is going to be a great game, a shootout. I do think Alex Smith is going to play, and that is why I'm taking the Washington football team. I think they're going to seal out the division with a win on Sunday night. Now, those are our picks for Week 17. Guys, comment your picks or what game are you most looking forward to of Week 17 of the NFL season. Now we're going to our last segment of the show. NFL Power Rankings Week 17 are top 10 teams going into Week 17. I'll start my 10 team, the Miami Dolphins. I think they had a miraculous comeback. Even though I'm not sold on Tua, I think their defense, their special teams, and their coaching is are all at very high levels, and I think this team is playing really good right now. I have the Browns at number 10. It was an embarrassing loss to the Jets, you know, just in in the looks of it, but when you do look at it, they were missing their entire receiving core, so it was kind of fluky, and the Jets have actually been playing decent the past two weeks, so, you know, although it might have looked bad, I don't dock them for it that much. I still think they're a top 10 team in the NFL, and that's why I have them just sitting in in the edge there. My ninth-ranked team is the Tennessee Titans. They dropped below because they got blown out by the Packers. This was a game I thought would have been much closer. I I, I might even pick them to win because their run game is that dominant. Their defense is one of the worst in the NFL, even though their offense is great. I just think they're not worthy to be hired because that defense is so bad. If they played better against the Packers, they probably would have been higher on my list but I can only put them as high as nine. Yeah, for a lot of the same reasons you said, I also had the Titans at nine. That defense was alarming on Sunday night, and as good as the offense is, the defense is a big question mark heading into Week 17, and hopefully for them, the playoffs. But I still think they're a very good football team, especially when they put all the pieces together, but I have them at nine. You know, I docked them for that loss. For my eighth-ranked team, I have the Baltimore Ravens. They're finally starting to figure things out. Lamar Jackson's playing well. That defense is playing well. And they're starting to dominate teams. They're they're starting to not even make games close. So because of that, I think I have them at eight, at the eighth ring spot. At eight, I have the Pittsburgh Steelers. They jump back into the top ten after a few really bad weeks. But that second half this past weekend really impressed me, and it showed me that they do still have some life on that offensive side of the football and that defense is an elite unit. There's no question about it. So if they can keep the offense the way it looked in the second half against the Colts, you know, they're going to be a very tough team to stop in the playoffs. But I have them at eight just because I don't know how consistent that offense is going to look like that. My seventh-ranked team is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're coming off some great performances, a comeback win against the Falcons. Then they dominated the Lions, and I hope people weren't facing Mike Evans in fantasy because he probably ruined your season. But I think the Buccaneers are the seventh-ranked team, even though I think their ceiling is the best team in the NFL. 
and I can see this team making the Super Bowl and even winning it. But right now, for the regular season rankings, I have them at 17. I also have the Buccaneers at 7. At 7. And, and, you know, I think that they are a very scary football team. And they're finally starting to put it together. And if they can all get on the same page, it'll be very tough to stop that offense. We've been talking about it since the offseason. And although a lot of people didn't think it panned out, people think that Tom Brady is washed up. When you look at the numbers, he has really been good, especially the past few weeks. And when he turns it on, He's the man you never want to see, especially come playoff time. The Bucks are starting to figure it out. The defense has looked good pretty much all season. I, I think that they are putting it together at the right time. I only have them at seven, but like you said, I could see them a top three team in the NFL. My sixth-ranked team is the Pittsburgh Steelers. I put much more stock into that 17-point comeback than you, and I think a lot of people do. When Ben is calling the plays, they're going to be a really great team. It's, it's, it all really depends on Randy Fitchner because he's a horrible play caller. But if Ben can take control of the huddle and start calling his plays or even get into the two-minute drill more, I think we'll see more splashes of how great this offense can be. And I think after coming off that 17-point comeback against a really good Colts defense, they deserve this spot. I have the Ravens at six, so we pretty much have those flip-flop rankings for a lot of the reasons you mentioned. They've very under the radar looked great the past couple weeks, and they're finally starting to be the team that I think everybody expected them to be this season. And a lot of people, you know, just set them aside at the beginning of the season because they got off to a tough start. But, you know, now they're getting a little bit more healthy and they're starting to get on the same page. Lamar Jackson has been great, and I fully expect this team to be a problem come playoff time. My fifth-ranked team, and this team could very well be higher, is the New Orleans Saints. I think after that dominant performance against the Vikings, Alvin Kamara shatters or ties the running back record for most touchdowns in the game. They're rolling right now. Drew Brees is playing well. I think they're clicking. When they get Michael Thomas back, they're going to be even better. But right now I have them at number five because they lost to the Eagles still, and I'm not sure how much that win against the Vikings really matters because the Vikings are a very bad defense. So I have them at five. I have the Seahawks at five. You know, we just did the segment on them. So for all the reasons that I said then, that defense is turning it around, and that is scary because the offense, we know what the offense can do. We saw that in the first five weeks of the season, how high-powered it can be. And although they've had their struggles as of late, you know, they've played some solid defensive units, and the defense, although they've played some not great offenses, just the confidence level moving forward, and the pieces that are starting to play better from week to week is a great sign moving forward. I think they could be a Super Bowl contender, and if that defense is clicking and the offense is clicking, they're going to be very difficult to stop. My number four team is the Seattle Seahawks. I think their defense is playing really well, and that win against the Rams really opened everybody's eyes. They stopped the run completely against the Rams, and that that's the only question mark we've had about Seattle if they've fallen in the rank, it's always because of that defense. But now that that defense is playing good, you trust in Wilson to be good as well. That This team is a, is a top-five team in the NFL. I have them at four, and they can make a Super Bowl one, run as well. Yeah, I have the Saints at four, so again, another flip-flop. Um, you know, I think getting Drew Brees back, it, it is, they're going to falter a little bit just because he's getting back into form. But overall, they are a much better team with him at quarterback than Taysom Hill. They're a much scarier offense. When they get Michael Thomas back, it's just another dimension. But they've even looked good without him. Alvin Kamara is such a force. And he's 
even more useful when Drew Brees is on the field. I feel like Taysom Hill being on the field kind of took away from his production a little bit. But with Drew Brees on the field, he is one of the best weapons in the league, and that defense is great. I have them at four, and and they're one of the few Super Bowl contenders as well. My third-ranked team, a lot of people might disagree with this pick, but I got the Green Bay Packers here. After a dominant performance against the Titans, you would think they'd be higher, but I think the Bills have played better. Even though the Packers have played really well, they're one of the best teams in the NFL, there's something about them that I'm not completely sold on. I don't know what it is. It could be that defense. It could be them not having a second receiver outside of Adams. But with all those question marks that I've just mentioned, they're still the third-ranked team in the NFL, and they can make a run depending on a matchup. I also have the Packers at three. They have really impressed me this season, but like you mentioned, their whole defensively is a bigger question mark than either of the two teams that I have ahead of them. I feel more confident in every unit on the field. You know, uh, you know, I don't think that either of the top team, top two teams that I have have a hole as big as you know the Ray, the the Packers run defense. I should say, even though they played well this past weekend. It's it's still scary heading into the playoffs with a unit, you know, that you're really not sure about. And like you mentioned in the offense, it's Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones beyond that. You know, Robert Tanyan has played well, but they don't have that second receiver. It can be Marquez Valdez Scantling, but he's been hit or miss. He's dropped a bunch of balls this season. So I I still think they're a great team. They are a Super Bowl contender, but I I can't put them above the two teams that I'm gonna have one too. My number two ranked team is the Buffalo Bills. I think I'm glad that we did this segment after the game on Monday because they dominated the Patriots. And I think after that domination and complete demolition of the Patriots, they, they they just ripped their souls out of that Patriots team. They deserve this number two ranking. And I mentioned it earlier. Their only three losses were two of the, two of them were postponed games. And one of them was a Hail Mary. Or I think they're, they're, they have three yeah. losses right now, right? Okay, yeah. so yeah, so their losses have not been bad, and when they have been, when they've had time per, to prepare, and when it wasn't on a fluke last play, they have won those games. I think they're the second best team in the league behind the Kansas City Chiefs. I also have the Bills at number two. The big question mark that we had coming into the season, you know, we knew at every position on the field they were great. Qu- quarterback was the question mark, and we said if Josh Allen can be that guy, they will be a threat. And Josh Allen has been everything you could have wanted and more. He's been an MVP candidate. And the way that he's been playing, they're a Super Bowl contender. Not only a Super Bowl contender, but one of my top Super Bowl contenders. They're a th- they're the only threat, in my opinion, to the Chiefs in the AFC. They should be on an eight-game winning streak. Like I said, if it wasn't for the best play in the NFL this season, the luckiest play in the NFL this season. So, They've really been scary the past few weeks, and I would not want to see them in the playoffs, especially out in Buffalo. And my number one ranked team, to nobody's surprise, is the Kansas City Chiefs. They've probably been the number one team since like the beginning of the year. But yeah, there, there really isn't much to say about the Chiefs. They're dominant on offense. Their defense is playing really well. We kind of just recycle and repeat what they do yeah. on a week-to-week basis because they are that great. It was a close call against the Falcons, but they ultimately got the win. Chiefs are number one. Yeah, I'd have to go back and check, but I don't think that there's been a single power ranking all season that I haven't had the Chiefs at number one. Since last year's Super Bowl, I've been saying somebody else needs to prove it to me that they are better than the Kansas City Chiefs. And when you look at this season, I don't even think the Chiefs have played their best football, and they still have a stranglehold on the NFL. 
and, and it seems like anytime they want to turn it on, they flip a switch and they just destroy teams. It, it, it's insane. And the, the example I keep going back to is that game that they trailed against the Raiders. They went into the two-minute drill. And I just had no fear that they were going to lose the game because Patrick Mahomes is incredible. He's out of this world and with a top 10 defense, really, on the other side of the ball, the weapons they have, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, two of the best receipt, well, two of the highest receiving yards in the league, they're just impossible to stop. I don't see how anybody is going to stop them on their path to another Super Bowl trophy. I have them at number one. Yeah, so that's going to do it for our top 10 list. Comment your top 10 list going into week 17. This might be our last power rankings segment because next yeah. week, what would it be? It would be the wild card power rankings, you know? <laughs> like, we kind of know next week, we kind of know where all the rankings yeah. are going to be. And, and I think it's funny you go back throughout the season and there's been so much parity between our lists. And now we get down to last week and this week, we've had very similar lists because. The league is really starting to shape out. Like you know what teams are at this point in the season. We said it so much earlier on. You're, we'll figure it out as things go along, and we really have seen what teams are. And you see it in our power rankings. We had two teams flip flopped, but pretty much the same exact list. Yeah, so that's going to do it for our power rankings. Comment down your top ten list, and thanks for watching this video. And that was our last segment of the episode. This was a two hour episode. It kind of feels like. Normal now, we, we yeah. like, you know, talk for two hours each episode. But yeah, like always, follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Pick Aside Podcast, on Twitter at Pick Aside Pod. And if you guys want to donate to us, you guys can on patreon.com slash Pick Aside Podcast. And Sergio just asked if callers, we might take in callers, it depends. We'll do it after we finish the, rec- the audio recording of this episode. But thank you guys for watching as always, and see you next time. This is Andrew Rotondi from the Bronx Pinstripe Show. In case you didn't know, the show you're listening to right now, as well as my podcast, is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they worked together. Today, Blue Wire has grown to feature 300 shows led by former athletes, media professionals, and passionate fans. Over the past few years, Blue Wire has privately raised over $10 million to expand their team their podcast network, and business operations. Now, they are raising another round on WeFunder. WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. It's an amazing platform that gives everyone the opportunity to be part of a growing startup. You can invest for as little as $100. So in other words, you don't have to be a millionaire to invest in cool companies on WeFunder. BlueWire is raising money to expand their sales team and improve operations, which in turn will help this show continue to grow. If you'd like to be part of the Blue Wire investment round or just want to find out more information, go to wefunder.com slash blue wire. Again, wefunder.com slash blue wire.